0: Hi, I'm David Hasselhoff and I'll be right back One to grow
1: Thanks for introducing me to your friends The first day in a new school it can be real rough I mean, oh, here comes my best friend Becky Hey Becky, I want you to meet. I can't talk to you now Your best
2: friend, huh? I don't get it I didn't do anything
1: That's right, you didn't do anything It has nothing to do with you You got the cold shoulder from your best friend because she's probably having a real tough day and she just has something else on her mind. Don't take it personally and don't jump to conclusions. If a friend acts weird, it's most likely because you caught him at a bad time. Wait a little while. When the pressure's off, you'll find out she's still your best friend
0: sorry about this morning i was late
1: for class and i couldn't find my homework that's okay becky I figured it was something like that
2: oh, where are you with? Oh, my new friend brenda you want to meet her sure
1: great and that's one to grow on Yes, yes, a lot of singing and dancing in this one, a lot of, I'd love to call you Rose dear, but roses fade away, we're recording, we're back, we're live, wake up! <laughs> <laughs> we're not, well, we're live. Yeah, we're live, but, but when we're you're not you're listening live.
0: to this, it won't be live.
1: It won't be live, but it'll be live in the sense where it's live to tape. We won't make any edits, so we can't use any... Overdubs, yeah, or mistakes. <laughs> Overdubs, so yeah, we're gonna put over <laughs> some tape. I didn't like that line. Let me redo that one. Yeah, you're gonna EDR it, and then we'll have to put like some tape into it. It's funny how you think of all the um, analog like the ways you used to have to fix stuff now that just gets done by a computer. Yeah, and all that kind cut of stuff. Tape, physically cut tape, it. splice, it, put it back. Make sure you're not losing sync or leader. You're putting stuff in or cord. I have a friend of mine who I, I work with who's an audio guy. He's older. He's turning 60 or 61 this year, and I was showing him some some new microphones, and I was uh, in one of the studios, and we're he's talking. Like, back in my mm. day, oh, we, we just had a horn. <laughs> 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 yeah. Well, he's he's an African American yeah, gentleman, phone. and he's yeah, he's he's not that old. <laughs> and he was saying like, I was like, how did you get into doing this? And he's like, and he's like, well, I used to work a lot in the studio. He's like, do you know that show Thundercats? I was like, yeah. He's like, I used to. Do that show. He used to record it. And I was like, really? Used Fascinating. To? Yeah. And he was the, he said he was like, there was the board operator who'd be doing the <coughs> recording the actors, and he'd be the guy setting up, writing stuff down, and getting stuff up, and he'd have all thun- like all the sound effects. And he'd be, because he didn't think I knew what we were t- I was, he was talking about, but you and I, since we went to film school, we were the one of the last people to deal yeah, with yeah. like all Actual that. Actual tape. Yeah, and film. And, and he like was some of, yeah, he'd be threading yeah. the machines and putting like 35 millimeter tape on, and he'd have all, so it was all like, you know, all this, like, you know, boxes of sound effects and tapes and sounds and all that. And he said it was really cool. I was like, wow. I was like, I got to talk to you about stuff. He didn't really remember that much about it. Yeah. But he said, like, yeah. Well that was,
0: I mean, it, that was one of the more interesting things, Plug plugging. I'm currently, we need, like, a sound effect. Plugging. <laughs> 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 I'm, <laughs> I'm plugging. I'm plugging my book right here, Scored to Death. But yeah. Some of the things that I found most interesting in the book is when they talk about, you know. The mechanics? Yeah, and, like, editing and... Jay Chataway uh, is talking about... It's not a horror movie, but since he did the music for... Uh, I think he's talking about like uh, one of the Chuck Norris movies, like Missing in Action or something like that. Yeah. And how he just had... He just recorded all these little pieces of tape... You know, there's like a fat. You know, when it's intense, this is what we'll put, and then they just kind of edit it. And it was just, he said, we just had like all these like little pieces of of sound tape, and then as we were editing it, whenever whatever they needed, just be like, hand me one word, and you know, like it's fast. (laughs) They would just like it was like they were creating the the pieces of music in the editing room based on these little chunks of music that he had recorded. It's a lost art.
1: It's all like you know that was all. I think we we went to school at a good time because I don't think you do. It's, it's, um, I was, that's how I ended the conversation with the guy. I was like, it's amazing to me that I was, I was telling him I'm familiar with the, the machines and, yeah, yeah. you know, mag tape and, and, and then the joke about like the demagnetizer and when you're trying to like, you know, erase on them, you know, you got to take your wallet out because if you turn it on, you'll destroy all <laughs> your credit cards. <laughs> yeah, you know? and, the and, yeah, the degauser. Yeah, the degausser And he was, you know, and I was talking about Nagras and then I said to him, it's like, it's amazing that when we were in school by senior year, they only let us, like we started using an Avid where the other ones were using Moviolas or Steambeck's yeah, actual so we using the editing th- editing machines. Yeah, but we, yeah, we started,
0: but you, we also started recording on a digital A dat da, da player. Da player. Yeah, yeah,
1: and that that year, but now people who are maybe in film school, they can edit everything on their computer, and it's like we sound like such fogies where we all had to put in and rent an editing machine, yeah, and but we were so lucky, you to know, to be able to do that. I know that's what I'm saying because I think it's like a lost art. We know I think people aren't really. They're kind of missing out because you take everything for granted. I don't
0: know what it's like to bleed for your film. <laughs> I
1: know. Yeah, you're getting <laughs> cut up and stuff. Slicer cuts on your arms. Yeah. Every once in a while. At this
0: point, you know, in my job as a as a freelance editor. And, your, your day job. But, yeah. And, like, mostly in what we call non-scripted television. But uh, I'm kind of – there aren't, like, the old guys at it yeah. are my age. Like, I'm on the – I'm one of the older – guys.
1: So you're not dealing with any. See, I still have people who were, you know, I had a guy who I was working with from the '70s on. You know, they were, you know, there
0: aren't very many pioneers that are
1: older than me
0: doing this that I've come across. And if they are, they're not that much older than me.
1: But is that why?
0: But it's fun to run into those guys because then you talk about like, hey, oh, I got check out this splicer scar. I actually have one right here. I just found it. You know, (laughs) like compare splicer scars. What do you think? Or we'll talk about like the deck to deck you know, machines with the video toasters that we, that we had. Oh, yeah, and, that yeah, the I video, use, yeah, yeah. I used to use a lot when we were at Purchase, but nobody else knew how to use the equipment.
1: But do you think it's because those guys still have cozy jobs or in a sense where they're maybe like in a union at a place and they've been there for few years? I don't know. I years? would imagine,
0: that, yeah, probably a lot of the older guys end up going and getting staff jobs somewhere. And I also think that... could On you? Freelance. Fortunately, I feel like it would for what I for the kinds of stuff I'm not so much the food stuff that I edit but some of the more reality based stuff I think unfortunately I feel like people, you know showrunners and producers and executive producers stuff might be like a little biased they want like a faster you know they think you need to be young to yeah have like a more stylized mentality which is not true yeah um, that but, new but new I method. do find that if there are editors older than me you know like I'm in my late 30s If there's editors older than me, they're, like, in their early 40s. Yeah. You know, they're not that that much older than me.
1: Yeah, I encounter a lot of the old guys, but they're doing, like, you know, cameras or stuff. Like, just still physical stuff. And a lot of these guys on the New York scene just... Went from one, you know, they worked in soaps for how many years? Or I have a lot of guys who worked in Morton Downey Jr. Uh, in C <laughs> nice. you know, I have like three or four guys that were like that documentary that came out on him a couple years ago. They're in it because you could see them and like they have crazy stories where, like, you know, one guy was doing handheld and they got to do a big fight, and somebody on set, a painter, like threw paint at Morton Downey Jr. but hit Morton Downey Jr. and then hit the steady, hit the, the, the handheld operator and yeah. got him in his eye. So they held a stop down and rushed to the hospital. So they took Morton's limo, you know, and then he got like a, you know, and, and it's all these amazing stories. like, you know, I, I, growing up, I used to watch Morton Downey Jr., yeah, yeah. you know? So it's like,
0: but these kind of like, or Richard Bay. These kind of like multi-camera shows where they
1: shoot, you know, almost kind of live. Yeah.
0: That's all union work. So I'm yeah. not surprised that these are guys that have been around. I mean, kind of like their jobs are protected
1: yeah. as know. well as a lot of them are old. I mean, like I said, this one gentleman I'm talking to is going to be, he's either 60 or going to be 61. I have another guy who's, you know, my father's age and yeah. they just stay in it because they can get the work. They like the money and if they're not, you know, digging ditches They're not, it's yeah, not yeah. physical labor. They're just comfortable where they're able to get a steady paycheck by say freelancing or whatever. They've had a very prosperous job and, Sports or like I said, soap operas yeah. that dried up. So it's it's definitely in the next five to ten years we're going to see a big shift, and I think you're going to lose all those guys, and then it, you know it'll be people like our age. You know, <laughs> you know, we're <laughs> the pi- damn yeah. people our age. So, but hey, welcome to another episode of Saturday Night Movie, Movie Sleepovers,
2: Sleepovers.
0: I'm Dion Baya and I'm Jay Blake, and it, today we have. Very, very well, special. Well, one hell of a little movie we're talking about. Before we get into... I know we already ran off the rails here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta back that train up. But before we even get even further to the movie, and I'm going to make a segue into it just you know, to say that like it's somewhat related. Uh, we're, today we're doing a classic 1987 picture yeah. called uh, Adventures in Babysitting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Chris <laughs> yeah, we are. Chris
0: Columbus's... Uh, director Chris Columbus's debut. Yeah, as a director. Um, we covered last year, almost a year ago, a little over a year ago. We covered a classic, uh, Chris Columbus authored picture, Gremlins. Yeah, we did. He was a writer before he became a director. He he wrote uh, Gremlins, Goonies, Young Sherlock Holmes, which are two films. Goonies and Sherlock Young Sherlock Holmes are two films we have to get to at some yeah. point. <coughs> Excuse me, but how I'm going to make this segue is this
1: movie? You put your turn signal on. I is can see. supposed to.
0: <laughs> Even though they didn't shoot most of it there, it's supposed to take place in Chicago.
1: Yeah. Now, <laughs> uh, <laughs> a lot of his movies tend to be in because um, Home Alone's based out of Chicago.
0: Well, uh, yeah, but Home Alone is a is a is a what's his face written movie who uses Illinois a lot.
1: Oh, uh, Hughes. Hughes. Yeah, you know? yeah. Which you see a lot of elements here, and I was surprised when I went back and revisited this as an adult. I, I, I didn't realize it was Chris Columbus. I was like, oh, I thought it was a John Hughes esque. Yeah, picture. But before we get into the picture,
0: yeah. there's a very special friend that Deanne and I have that lives in Chicago. Yeah. Who was nice enough to sit in on an earlier podcast uh, at the end of last year. We, Mike Vanderbilt and I talked about Fright Night, AV Club.
1: He does a lot of good he stuff. He does a
0: lot of stuff with AV Club. Uh, he writes for a bunch of uh, websites, and he has podcasts, and you can... F- find him he's a musician as well yeah he's got a on band the chicago called the scene. romeros yeah and he's got a podcast and you could find out all his stuff on twitter but the yeah. reason why i'm saying he's our he's he's like the saturday night movie sleepover kind of affiliate in chicago
1: <laughs> <laughs> in our
2: satellite office yeah.
0: and i got a very nice little package at my mom's uh and it was a gift from Mike Vanderbilt. He sent you something? He sent us something. Seriously. And
1: I'm going to give you your half of the present. I, you know, I half have the, your half of the present befo- is
0: exactly identical to my half of the present.
1: Before you say this, uh, before you give this to me, I want to make it clear on tape, full disclosure. I was just messaging him yesterday. And I, when he listens to this, I want him to know that I did not know that what this was happening because I, he had expressed in the Fright Night cast, he was looking for the original run to the Fright Night comic books, the now comic mm-hmm. books. And I found him. So I was trying to figure out a way yesterday how to email him to him. And I sort yeah. I used the, the, the method you and I end up using and I sent him to him. So I had no idea. Yeah. So I hope, uh, Mike, I hope you don't <laughs> think I was trying to. I told him. Yeah. I, know, I
0: let him know. Cause I, I messaged him instantly. Yeah. <clears throat> I was like, just got this package. Awesome. Like, thanks so much. So I was so generous. So he was like,
1: well, what's your mom's address? <laughs> It <laughs> one of those things. Well, that's where we did this. That's where we did his episode. Oh, right? yeah. He came over. So he must have wrote it down. <laughs> he wrote everything down. Because his mom's like, he yeah, ain't going over to nobody's house until I get the address and phone number.
0: <laughs> so yes, we recorded the the Friday night in my mom's basement. So, yeah. uh, but I messaged him instantly. And I said, I'm going to see Dion very soon. And I'll make sure I relay the gift. And I said, you know what? Maybe I'll present it to him on the podcast. That's a tradition Blake has as i <laughs> am known to do. And he said, "Well, you do give you do present Dion with some great <laughs> gifts on the podcast." So he seemed very into the idea of surprising you with it. So that's amazing. So you don't have to worry about. So I'm going to give you this bag. Act surprised. Now, he put in two of everything. So everything here I have, I just didn't bring my my half of
1: everything. So this is my half of it. <laughs> <laughs> this is you're oh, half correct. of the present and here's a note. He's got a note.
0: And I was given permission to read the note. Dear Dion and Jay Blake, I was doing an airport pickup at Chicago's Midway, and on the way home stopped in at Southwest Book and Video, an establishment that specializes in adult rags, cinema, and smoking paraphernalia. They also have a small section of dime store novels for people who are actually staying in the nearby motel for more than a four-hour nap. I came across several copies of a novelization of the 80s TV show Auto Man, in parentheses, a favorite of mine, and I knew that you both needed this in your life. (laughs) Thanks for having me on the show and for the support. Happy holidays. Mike Vanderbilt.
1: So we have here, we have, of course, the four, already forementioned <laughs> Automan noveliz- novelization by Martin Noble, which is based on the 80s television show. Amazing. Nice used copy of it. I think it's amazing when you find that, like, some
0: place has, like, a shitload of copies of something so weird.
1: <laughs> it's so old. It's <laughs> like they years found, like, down. a box of these. <laughs> <laughs> in the back room. Put him, put what him are we doing with these? Put them out. Put them on clearance. A dollar a piece. And then he also sent us. Which uh, now we can plug all his stuff because it's a lot of. Uh, yeah, all his stuff. Th- he, he sent us uh, some Strike Team stickers, which is Strike Team is, is, is one of his podcasts. podcasts. I got Mike Vanderbilt in the Suburban Garage Sound. I think another he, I, sticker. I
0: would imagine is one of his bands. I got
1: Space Werewolf. Not sure what that is, but it looks awesome. Yeah, it does look awesome. It's Copyright. It's a S, SGS Productions 2012. So maybe it's a movie they did. And then we have Awesome. Oh, I've buttons. got Buttons here for Daily Grindhouse, <laughs> which is his, another his uh, podcast. What he's, a, he's
0: like a assistant editor or something of that website, yeah. which is a great website, if you're in, especially if you're in a your horror. Like Sh-
1: I got a Strike there. Team button as well. Which is one of his
0: podcasts.
1: I got the Romero's uh, beer like, cup. I'm going to put my beer right into this now. <laughs> <Koozie>. <laughs> Co- yeah, cozy. Cozy to is, keep my hands warm. one of his bands. Yeah, and then I have the drinks on Monday, which is his which podcast. Which is another podcast. He does oh. for, um, this, with the Strike Team, which is on... Um, is it, uh yeah and this is great and they all look like they've been used which is awesome <laughs> like they've they've been they've been used at the strike team yeah they made sure that they were the,
0: the drink, drinks on monday they put their drinks in these before they yeah they
1: want to make sure that it works <laughs> properly it's all quality control like it's, some of it's still sticky they, they, they spilled something this is mike who thank you so much and like i said completely coincidental that i was sending you that stuff yesterday so how how weird that the um paying it forward so he sent all this stuff to you and you have the, the identical I have exactly bag, the same did you, did, you package. Did you nitpick and pick better stuff? I'll no, give this no. a D. I I promise you that this is a, exactly the same. And
0: funny enough, last night I was drinking Even it. like the stickiness from the price tag is in the exact
1: same spot on, the Auto man. on my copy of Automan. <laughs> 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 uh, funny enough, last night I took a page out of Blake's book at five and, or five, three in the morning. I was up late on eBay and I was looking at movies we may do this year and I was looking at novelizations. I and, know.
0: You know, I have a novelization for Adventures in Babysitting, but by the time I thought about about it. I was like, it's too late. Even though it's a very, I'm sure it's a very quick read because it's for like fifth grade.
2: I, ha- that's, that's
0: what I'm, I have a story about that. To, to <laughs> I we can get like to. I, I really don't have time to read this, and, like,
1: and I don't think it's going to be as uh, it, yeah, filling in the blanks <laughs> as, as kind uh, of. Uh, but remember to bring that up in a little while because I have a story about that. But Michael, thank you very much for all this. that These lovely gifts, as well as. um that, you know, I was looking up the novelizations. We did Escape from New York last week. Yeah, and I talked a lot about the, the novel. And that novelization is shot up in price. The lowest know, you can get I'm it like, for is like $40. I feel bucks.
0: like such an asshole on the podcast because, like, yeah, you can find it for
1: like nothing. And you know? I went to f- go found it, find I, it
0: because I found it because when I bought it, it might have been on the higher end of the stuff I was buying, but I'm sure it wasn't more than like 10 bucks.
1: Yeah, now it's, it. but it's. But that was
0: a couple years ago. It's going up there. And everybody knows that I'm a trendsetter. So yeah, everybody so they heard that I was collecting. So everyone
1: was like, whoa, we got to get, they got to jump on the thing. It was like he went on a Reuter alerts. But yeah, so now that, that's, that's a hard-to-find baby. And as well as I was... So I was I got stuck on that novelization circuit. And there's a lot of expensive... Like the Dirty Harry novelization that we used a couple years ago for our cast. Yeah, they yeah. want $25 for that. The Magnum Force that you own, they want $15 bucks for that, which is also uh, based off the script by Michael Semino. I didn't know Michael Semino, who just passed away. Yeah. Uh, director had worked on that script because that was directed by Ted Post, the Magnum Force. But there's so much... and. uh I bought the uh, uh, Twilight Zone the movie novelization, which is written by Ma- Robert Block, who did Psycho. Yeah, yeah. So he wrote the novelization in '83. I don't for, think I
0: own that one yet, but I know I've had my
1: eye on it. I've seen that, and there was a lot of lots, where there was like a lot of like you know you like, and the problem with lots is usually. If there's like six, there's five that are garbage, and there's one that's yeah, that's, like, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And then you're like, so <laughs> yeah, you're like,
0: weighing your Battle Beyond the Stars. That would yeah, be great. Yeah, you but know, I don't know
1: if I need the rest. Of yeah, these. I don't. Yeah, you know, I don't need. to know if I need like you know, freaking this or that. You know, yeah. so it's like, uh, you know, do I need like Interview with a Vampire or you know, the movie adaptation? When I need, you know, like know e. like, I, It's so you funny know? when that
0: starts happening. I mean, it's happening with movies, like just like a especially
1: expensive movies, because I saw a couple that were like pricey on their own, but then they're included in a lot for a little yeah, cheaper, yeah. and I'm like weighing the well. Uh, do well, well, I know, want these movies? Like, I,
0: for instance, I was just... Was a couple of weeks ago, they had, like, Hairspray Live on Fox. Yeah. Now, Hairspray, for... I'm sure most of you, understand, you know you know this. It was a John Waters movie. Yeah. They made a Broadway musical out of the John Waters movie. Then they made a musical movie out of the Broadway musical that was based on the movie by John Water. Yeah. Now there was a live television broadcast based on the on the movie musical based on the theatrical musical based on the movie. I, it, I find it fascinating that now that, you know, since I've been collecting these novelizations that it kind of happens like Frankenstein. Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. A book. Yeah. Also, a '90s movie starring Kenneth Branagh, directed by Kenneth Branagh, and starring Robert, N- you know, co-starring Robert De Niro. Yeah, there's a novelization of yep. Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, but it's not Mary Shelley's book Frankenstein. It's, it's a novelization of the movie.
1: So it's based on, <laughs> based the, on the book. Yeah,
0: uh, like John Carpenter's The Thing. There's a great novelization of John Carpenter's The Thing, as most of us, you know, fanboys know, John Carpenter's The Thing said to be a remake of a movie but really just another adaptation of a short story called Who Goes There yeah
1: by Campbell John Campbell so it's movie. not
0: "Who's Goes There it's an ad- it's a novelization of the movie so yeah. I, say, I think it's, it's interesting when you have like these something's based on an original source material and then it gets another medium then takes it up the same medium that it originally was based on a book they now have a book Based on a movie that's based on a book, and then (laughs) somewhat similar,
1: it's like. But you
0: also will be. You know, you can find like Psycho with like Janet Leigh on the cover,
1: (laughs) but that's actually (laughs) the original book. Well, that's see, that's what I was getting at. Somewhat similar is like. Then what do you do? Are you a poser? Where it's like, do you want to get the book that was the original book? So say if you're taking like, um, I don't know, uh, Silence of the Lambs. Do you want to get the original Thomas Harris book, or do you want to get the now the new one that's come out, which is the cover? So it's like do androids dream of electric sheep do you get the original philip kate book or do you get the one that's now called blade runner with harrison ford on the cover but it is actually do androids dream of electric sheep it's like ah you know that happened with me with bullet i i i I thought i was i bought uh, the novelization of bullet on ebay the stephen mcqueen movie and i thought it was a uh a copy of the script that it was billed as but it was actually the the guy i forget the first name pike it was the original book is called mute witness uh-huh. and it's retitled it. Yeah. They retitled it. So and it, and it's completely different. It takes place in New York. And it's a, it's, it's very different. Sometimes they'll
0: be like, they'll have the title, but
1: then much bigger than the title based on the major motion picture. Well, that's the what title. they did. So bullet. it's like Steve McQueen's so on the cover. It's called bullet. <laughs> and it's bullet on the, it's, it's bullet on the spine. It's bullet on the front. And then little blow. It's like, uh, you know, it, they, they don't say like actually it's really called, but they were just like based on the actually mute wit, uh, mute witness by something Pike, yeah, yeah. you know. So I was little because I had already read it. I got that son of a bitch out of my library like the first edition back in the day and read it, and then it was like, uh, I you know, I got my I ended up getting my money back. It's like this is not what you I didn't want to buy that. Well, I mean I'm glad I have it now because now it's actually w- worth quite a bit of money if you yeah, go, yeah. you know. But it's funny. So what do you do? Do you are you a poser if you get the the Blade well, Runner? Yeah, well you it's know, interesting because you know, we've.
0: You know, we've talked about... Obviously, we've talked probably ad nauseum to some of you about novelizations. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but we've also done a lot of movies that are based on source material. Like, we did Cruising. Yeah. Um, and we did The Warriors.
1: Yeah. I'm surprised, like, The Warriors was never re-novelized. Well, I have... The the one the book I, edition I have of it. it, it... Well... It wasn't redone, but I have the Warriors cover with the Sol yeah, Uric. Yeah. But so it's, it's them still on the, the cover. Original yeah. Text. Yeah. And I feel bad for, I don't feel bad, but I think they should let people know that. Yeah, because yeah. if you're going to buy, if you're a eight, nine-year-old thinking you're going to buy Blade Runner and then you're actually buying Do Dream Do Andrew's Dream of Electric Sheep, which is a completely different book and just as good, if not better, than the movie, people will be like, where the fuck is Harrison Ford in this? And it's like, <laughs> who are the... She- the fuck is Harrison There's Ford? There's no sheep in this movie. <laughs> you know, <it's> like, <laughs> Why are there electric? Who, who's Mercer? You know, so it's like, you know, they're going to like, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on there. I remember third grade. I'm in uh, parochial school. I'm in Catholic school. And um, let's see what year is that? That's 87, 88. And I have a memory of walking down the aisle. And on the first aisle to my left, I saw a kid on his, on his desk had Adventures in Babysitting. And I was like, wow, look at that. And that might be my first idea that they novelized the book. And yeah. it was the novelization. And like you just said, it was probably for that demographic because I was, what, seven or eight then. Probably eight in yeah. third grade. So it's interesting that this son of a bitch, I sucker punched him. Yeah, well, that's... <laughs> I you know, I was wiling out and grabbed the Well, that's the novel something I've
0: discovered, too, since I started collecting, which is, I don't know, it's been a long time now. It doesn't seem like I've been collecting that long, but... Your novelizations?
1: Yeah, yeah. Photo it, novels and novelizations? But it's been a while, so... We should reissue
0: that. I don't think we ever did. We should reissue that. We should listen to it.
1: First. Yeah. Because <laughs> then,
0: then, then now I'm sure we would have very different... Yeah. Uh, ...opinions on things than we'd had when we... We originally did a sidecast for Podwitz, uh, which was Dion's, uh site, other site... Prior to we, this, we yeah. ...kind of linked to... Um, where, where I was just starting to collect. Yeah. And I was like, we should talk about these because they're awesome. And then so we, we, we talk about
1: novelizations, photo novels. We talk about... Um, Do we even bring up the small movies? The 8-minute, 30, or 8-millimeter movies? We might even talk about those. like we Just movie tie records to movies that are a yeah, record. Because yeah. we explain the backstory of... Before home video, yeah, like VHS. And how Beta how were you able to digest like, what you see in the theater? You
0: relive the movie. This yeah. was your home entertainment of like reliving a movie was reading the book. And you, about a movie.
1: year ago, you got me on the the maybe because of this podcast, you got me on the the shtick of I went out and bought a little more than I needed to on eBay of like the record movie. So it was like I had Kojak
2: yeah, on yeah a record yeah. and those I are have, I have awesome
1: <laughs> I mean that is so good because it's it's Savalis and you know you're in a studio and it's like and then these records the the cover is actually a comic yeah. you know and I, I so I got that, and uh, I was just listening to our black hole podcast coming in, which is very good i'd like to say and um <laughs> You were talking about you had a Batman one growing up, Batman right? Oh, with the tape. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. and I bought. I still love that. I bought a Batman one, and then what else did I buy? I ended up. I bought a couple of those, and I bought the Star Trek one, and I haven't listened to the Star Trek one yet because you told me there is one where it's not the it's not the cast. Yeah, you you got to be careful because I have bought a Star Trek one, so that put me off so much. I've kind of I got to still go listen to it, but you know. But I like the idea of like not just them being novelizations or um, you know. Uh, different formats of the original movie that it's like the further adventures. Yeah, yeah. You know, these Kojaks aren't, you know, the transcripts of another Kojak episode. It's like, you know, him. But it's it's interesting that it's for kids. That's like yeah, today, yeah. I don't know what you do. That's like doing like, you know, The Bridge or I don't know what kind of a modern day, like Blue Bloods. We're gonna have a, a, a show for, you know, an epi, you know a record for <laughs> the well, kids. They have novels.
0: Though. Like, I know that they'll have, I remember being in a born, in Borders bookstore before it closed. Yeah. Shortly before it closed and I saw that there were, uh, Bird Notice novels, like a whole series of Bird Notice novels, which was a TV
1: series, yeah, but they're like but they're USA. for a you know they're geared towards the person watching. Where I would yeah, yeah. think like the record those, but were it's more, continuing adventures. Yeah, 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 yeah. they're Adaptations of them. I mean, like episodes. we were talking about in the Black Hole podcast, they made like a little what's the little books? What do you call those? The little fairy books or whatever. The, the, oh yeah, like the gold, golden. Spine. Yeah, they had a they had a Black Hole edition of the golden books. <laughs> you know, it's like you what know, it I
0: was what I was saying was. Uh, you know, I didn't realize it, and it makes sense, but I didn't really think about it until I started collecting them. That, like, depending on the movie, you know, they re- they wrote these things for the age group. I guess that the movie was done. Yeah. You know, like, I, you know, so, you know, Adventures and Babysitting, License to Drive is one I have. We talked a little bit because you said you, ha- you you remember reading a Gremlins and
1: the ending is totally different. Well, it just ends. It's like he comes home and that's it. So it's Happy like, ever you know, after. Yeah. It's like, you know, Gizmo got a cut and they give him a Band-Aid and that's the end of it. But... So I wonder, but so the, I wonder if they did that then, I because mean, it's interesting. You take a like a, a, a in the seventies, a, a property like Kojak was clearly geared towards adults. Yeah. yeah. But the, but back then they're like fuck it, we'll just we'll make t-, you know cartoon. You know the, the you know they had like matchboxes of his car. <laughs> yeah, you know of yeah. was Buick, so or whatever. It's a Pontiac, or you know. So it's like back then it was that they do anything. You know. So it's like Gremlins. Th- th- you know, we don't need to make it look like you know the movie. We'll just have it at the end, Gizmo. You know. <laughs> You know, Gizmo doesn't. There's no gremlins in it. It's just him and Gizmo's relationship. You know, so it's like it's everything minus the gremlins. You know, so I, it's interesting. They I wish they do that more now. You know, but
0: steering this baby back on before we onto the track to begin with. Which yeah, I yeah. haven't even I didn't get off track. We were about talking about Chicago Adventures of Babysitting. We're celebrating an anniversary for Adventures of Babysitting. Thirty years this 30 year. Thirty years this yeah, year. Nineteen eighty-seven. I was just said, uh, Chris Columbus. um Chris Columbus went on to also do a couple of the Harry Potter movies. Now there's something, and I don't know. I would imagine that you picked up on this, but um, there's a very clear link between our last movie, Escape from New York, and this movie. Do you know what it is? Quiz. Doom,
2: doom, ha- doom, pop quiz. Doom, hot shot.
1: Do <laughs> Albert Collins. <laughs> man, because because of because Isaac Hayes was in Booker T and the MGs and he was recording for Stax and Stax was in Lorraine it was in I said a clear
2: connection.
1: Memphis and and then he went up to Chess Records and he f- guested Philip Chess and Muddy Waters was playing on chess who was on the soundtrack but with Coco Taylor and then they knew Albert Collins and South Size John it's, that's how the nice no. man, Albert Collins. Yeah. No. It's produced by Deborah Hill. Oh, Jeff, for fuck's sake. I knew
0: that. Wow, wow, wow. Who is best known yeah. for being creative partner
1: for, with uh, John Carpenter in the early days. In Halloween. And there's a, there's a little homage to Halloween here. Dun, and dun. Yeah. Dun, and dun.
0: last week we did, last episode we did Escape from New York, which was also produced by Deborah Hill. And this week... See, that was a trick question. Deborah I was
1: thinking about the casting. I didn't realize you're right. John Carpenter made the connection there. That's yes, the hint.
0: And Deborah Hill yeah. is the one that wrote co-wrote with Carpenter the movie Halloween. Yeah. Uh, everybody knows the story that uh, now I'm, I'm blanking on the guy's <laughs> name but uh, the producer wanted to do a movie called The Babysitter Murders. Yeah. And that became Halloween and Deborah Hill wrote that with Carpenter because she was a babysitter when she was growing up. So this is like a little nod in that in the beginning of the movie they're trying to find something on TV and we see we we hear you can also see it on the te- television. Oh, screen. could you? Because I, and I it was way looking at in the it. background because I know, but because I know Halloween frame by frame, I oh, know exactly. Because it, it was right around, around where where the guy with the glasses gets killed in the kitchen, the dark kitchen. Oh, because I was, I,
1: they had something on, and I didn't think it was, you know, maybe there's are there are two TVs in the scene. Because when they were in the living room, I didn't think it was the. I thought they were just playing it, and it was some 40s or 50s movie. No,
0: no, I'm pretty sure that you can see. Uh, that it's Halloween on the screen. They definitely hear the music. Uh, And that's like a little, you know, funny little joke because that's a movie about babysitters getting murdered. Yeah. And this is a movie about babysitters on an adventure. Um, (laughs) Do we
1: know, did Gremlins take place in Chicago? I don't think it did. I don't think so. It's some some fictional California town because I I was seeing a lot of similarities with that kitchen as in Gremlins, like, you know, in the 80s who had televisions, like small screen televisions in the kitchen. And I remember clearly... (laughs) You know, the mother did because she's watching. I think she was watching It's a Wonderful Life, which maybe shows up in Lethal Weapon 2 at the end. They're watching It's a Wonderful Life in the kitchen. But this, these people had a television in the kitchen. Yeah, and I was like, watching, that's Price so cool right back right in the day, the you know.
0: Back when Barker st- I was still dying his hair.
1: Yeah, yeah, back in the day. Um, so, Ventures
0: of said, do you remember this movie growing up? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. That's I mean, do you remember? Uh, did you see it at the theater? Was no, you no. I remember, I, I remember it coming out because I remember in 87 in third grade seeing the novelization and it had that great iconic poster.
0: Drew Struzan, one of, the, yeah. one of a classic Drew Struzan uh, poster. If you don't know who Drew Struzan is, I suggest you Google that shit. Yeah. Because uh, he's likely was the artist for some of your favorite posters in the 80s. Yeah,
1: all, and he was so eclectic too. And man. I have,
0: uh, you know, uh, we've mentioned before, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bit of an art collector in weird pop culture film Comic books, animation. there's this whole other subculture, and I had been planning on doing a sidecast with a friend of ours about this subculture of movie posters. yeah, um, that sidecast has never come to fruition <laughs> it will it will one day, but people do either these fan posters or companies which like is Mond- big now which companies like Mondo and stuff, they'll do these screen print, you know, like hand silk screened prints of, of posters, and uh, Mondo put on put out a really amazing edition of the Thing art. It doesn't say the Thing on it. It's just the image that, that Struzen did, which is like the guy in like the snow park uh, with the light coming out of his head. Yeah. And, you know, the iconic like Thing poster image. And they did a limited run of that, um, both regular and then another one with, like, glow-in-the-dark paint. Yeah. That sold out. Because they only make like, when they do that, they only do like a couple hundred, three hundred maybe copies. But I own one of Drew Struzan's test prints or, or uh, artist. Uh, I forget what the how they word it, but uh, you know they'll do a number of prints for the artist to look through and give his consent. Like yeah, this looks the blues are right, you know stuff like that. So uh, I own both a Carpenter Drew Struzan uh, artist print. And I own a big trouble in little China. Drew <laughs> Struzan, and are they artist
1: friends? They're they're related to Mondo.
0: The mo- the thing was a Mondo edition. Yeah, and the the uh, big trouble in China, little China one was done by a New York uh, gallery called Bottleneck Gallery.
1: And what's the big trouble cover?
0: It's the, the exact. Big trouble poster, but again without any of the text.
1: It can get confusing now because back in the day, you'd have these gorgeous posters, and the only, for me, it seemed like the only variation you'd have is maybe if you got foreign posters, you know, yeah, they'd yeah. be different with, of course, the other language, but then the, even the 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 picture on the poster. But now you have people, or you have Mondo, you're doing alternate posters for movies you love, and then you have people who just do their own fan poster. So when you Google a movie, it sometimes gets hard to find out what the official poster yeah, is, the actual poster or is. what is a fan, because sometimes these fan ones look so great. Yeah. You know, these artists who are doing them, you there's don't know There's a great if one up.
0: that, bottleneck. the same people that did the, the Big Trouble in Little China. The Big Trouble in Little China one is the original Drew Struzan art, but there's a new one that they just did. They just had a limited run by an artist because there was a UK edition of Assaulted Precinct 13 that just came out yeah. uh, shortly before we recorded this. Um, and there's a great new poster art cover for that. And they put out a limited edition run of the poster. But it's not the original Assaulted Precinct 13 art. So that's kind of what you're saying. It's but hard. Sometimes it's like an artist will be commissioned to do new art for either a special release or just a release for poster or screening. That's how the Mondo thing started. And I mean, this is a rabbit hole that we can't get into because it's going to be too long, but Mondo started because they were part of the Alamo draft house and
1: theater chain
0: circuit. Yeah. uh, Which started in Austin and they would do these revival screenings. And when they had big screenings, they would have new poster work done for their screening. Great idea. And then they started instead of having just one poster made, let's, Let's make one for everybody in the audience. Yeah. If you come like the first hundred people or whatever, we'll get a copy of this poster that snowballed into. Now they do posters and very good ones. And they they do a lot of good. That also led to the re-releasing of all the soundtracks with new art. Like they're one of the first ones that Mondo re-released on vinyl was the maniac score by Jay Chataway with the with that very cool, like all red. Uh, portrait of Spinel. Yeah,
1: um, very awesome. I, I in some uh, respects like that better than the original. And poster. a little bit of trivia. Uh,
0: Mondo came very close to being the publisher of Score to Death. Yes, I knew. I knew that. But uh,
1: but that didn't happen. <laughs> uh, but it, it, so but Drew, he's a guy who, iconically, I guess, if you can try to describe his poster work, it's always. It's drawn, so you it's very could, heroic most yeah. of the time. you could tell it's drawn, but it's drawn realistically, so the people always yeah. look great. Well, they paint, don't look cartoon. Usually, beautifully yeah. painted. They don't look the like they're, they're. It's very realistic it, in a certain sense of you could, you know, how good the people look. So it's not a, uh, a cartoon version of them. But like you're saying, it's did he do Indiana Jones? He did Raiders of the Lost. Dog. Yeah, yeah, and maybe even Temple of Doom. You know, he might have done all three. you know the he one where he's th- standing like over the edge. That's, that's my favorite uh, poster of the three, where it's like his shirt's open, he's holding a machete, yeah, and it's kind of like looking up at him over the edge.
0: I think he did all those. I mean, I know he did Raise the Lost Ark* for sure. Yeah, and if he didn't do the other ones, Terrible. it was someone doing his a style. Juicer, yeah, juicer style, he did the original uh, *Star Wars*. Yeah, and has since done many of the *Star Wars*, Star Wars like reissues. Um, and it's a lot of movies. He did a lot of um, record <coughs> covers too. Alice Cooper's greatest hits. Yeah, it was a great one where they're all gangsters, and then in the background, it's one of those things where you got like Cagney and everybody, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> kind of on the post on the on the album too, like on the flip side of the
1: of the album. Um, it's E.T. You, A lot of weird movies show up being his like Adventures in Babysitting. You wouldn't think they'd yeah, give yeah. this kind of. A, Back but to the
0: Future, I believe, was that iconic, standing.
1: Oh yeah with the with the with you the re-
0: looking at his clock when he's one foot's leg in the DeLorean. Yeah, and I'm then I'm pretty you have sure the, that that was Struzan.
1: Yeah. And it it's in a lot of great movies that you wouldn't think of having these posters have them, And this is the iconic image I remembered walking by oh, this it's kid. It's
0: one of his I honestly think it's probably one of his best.
1: Yeah, and it's all them... As you as you all know, it's, you know, them all hanging off a rope on the side of a building. Yeah. You know, all like, you know, and it's it, it kind of sums the movie up almost. You know? Yeah,
0: I think that's why it's one of the best that he has because it's not in the movie. Yeah. But you look at it and you see the title and then you see that image... And you, you instantly know what you're in for. Yeah, and you know that. It sells I mean, the movie perfectly. Yeah, and it's
1: beautiful. They're hanging on the side of a building, so you know that there's some sort of adventure got them there. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, you're right. It's really like, oh, maybe this sounds, this looks like, you know, there's another one you've gotten us into. This looks like it's going to be a great. So I remember that. And then, I mean, I'd seen the movie growing up, and I knew it well. But then I had a lot of these movies of the late 80s that aren't like holiday or reoccurring ones. I hadn't seen it for years, and I went back and saw it a couple years ago. And I loved it, and it and it's and then I didn't realize, but I until I rewatched it, like the heavy Chicago blues footprint in the yeah, movie, yeah. you know, which is I feel like they never know. they don't really mention what city it is until really late. In the I movie. wonder if they're, if you're supposed to just know. I mean, like and cause then a lot of that it's we'll get into it, but like since you said they shot a, 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 the majority of it in Toronto, a lot of those uh, out. External images are like them just doing like not matte paintings, but like almost like uh, they used um, uh, what do you call that uh, uh, press the uh, optical printing. Uh-huh. You know, put like the Chicago skyline behind wherever they are. You know, in Toronto, so it looks like oh they're in Chicago, but they're not. Like you know the, the you know it's, yeah and uh, yeah. I guess you're right. They don't really you know they don't mention it until
0: to my recollection and we just watched it but i mean i might have missed it i they don't mention it to it until way after the albert collins scene the blues yeah. club scene so to me being like a blues musician and and a blues fan i think to me i kind of always assumed it was maybe chicago because you know of all the blues you know, the to have to have a blues club <laughs> like that would it, be not, I mean there's blues clubs everywhere but to have something that's a, a scene that's significant in a blues club, an electric blues club seems like a very Chicago thing to have. And it's
1: funny too, the changing of times where it's like you know like uh the the scene where they're entering the chop shop they have Coco Taylor's version of Evil on which is like one of my favorite yeah, Hollow yeah. Wolf songs that yeah. he does what Yeah, he like <laughs> Yeah, it's like uh he said I mean even one of the most iconic lines in the movie is like if you if you if you call home and your woman picks the phone up slow grab the first thing smoking if you have to grab a bone, because that's evil. You know,
2: evil. I, mean, I
1: love <laughs> Holland Wolf's version of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, great great lines, great move, but it's like, back then, that was like, you know, how times have changed. It's like, you'd have the Dirty Blues be like, oh, it's, it, you're entering the CD, you know, the CD side of town. <laughs> yeah, but the you whole know, soundtrack It's like is It's very... much like, remember in the Warner Brothers tunes where something crazy was going to happen, they'd have like jazz yeah, start, yeah. you know, it's like, the, you know, back in the 40s, that was the crazy, so it's like it's funny, like, them having the slow electric blues when they go into the sh- chop shop or when they go into the, the Silver Dollar Club that's actually in Toronto, <laughs> you know?
0: Yeah. Well, you know, the whole soundtrack's very kind of like R&B, rhythm and blues. Yeah. Based so you, for it, the most part. Except for, you know, you have the opening track. Uh,
1: yeah, the Crystals. Um, and then She Kissed Me, which was a uh, great time of music. I love Phil, Phil Spector's Crystals. Which, I, you know, it, it's... But that, is, that firms it in the 80s. That starts it off being like a John Hughes kind of movie for me where she's yeah, yeah. dancing you know and lip-syncing to the crystals one of those 60s girl bands and it's like you know i that kind of oh, oh wait, this is the movie you think you're going to be in store for one of these brat pack movies but then well, it just in turns the
0: 80s and i think we talked a little bit about it in greece about how like in the 70s there was this nostalgia for the 50s And then in the 80s, we were watching reruns of the shows that were nostalgic, like Happy Days and stuff like that. And so, like, we kind of grew up with this weird nostalgia for the 50s, for like 50s and rock and roll. And, you know, even the, you know, like Quantum Leap, you know, there was a rock and roll episode. Chubby Checker was (laughs) on. You know, Chubby Checker was still he was doing another thing. Twisted again. Like yeah, again twist came eight, back twist out twist again. Uh, remember,
1: P- Buster Poindexter came in. He was popular for a while, and he was doing a lot of that, like uh, hit the road, Jack. A lot of those, re, you know, is that you, Santa Claus? So, like, you had a lot of um, uh, homages to the fifties. Yeah, for yeah. Us. So yeah. there
0: was this weird resurgence, and then of course, dirty dancing.
1: Uh, a lot of that early sixties, late fifties music. Yeah. Yeah. So there
0: was this big resurgence of it, and then at the same time, which I, I don't think a lot of people would be as, uh, you know in on is that the blues was having a big resurgence is resurgence in the 80s because you had guys like steve ray Vaughan were coming on the scene and kind of like reviving this art form blues has like always been like this ebb and flow type thing i mean it was big and then it kind of disappeared and then the british you know latched on to it and then there was this huge resurgence for the old american artists because of the british and then uh, and then in the 70s, it started to kind of die down a little bit again. And then in the 80s, you got guys like Steve Ray Vaughn and Robert
1: Cray. Which is an interesting dichotomy because of, you know, like everything you said. And then when you get into the 80s, you have the hair metal. Yeah, yeah. And then the the alternate of that is you do have aside. I mean, you take out the whole, like, say, um, blossoming rap subculture. but you ha- Or like, you know, Fat Boys or Run DMC. But you have hair metal, which is like where rock and roll kind of went to. Yeah. But then you have the resurgence of guys like, you know, Clapton still doing his thing or, you know, uh certain part aspects of Led Zeppelin or even like, you know, Robert Cray or yeah, and then the Steve 80s Ray and then, or even though, and like
0: and then even though ZZ Top was big and was, you know, a band from the 70s, they had a huge yeah. like resurgence in the 80s. And they were very so blue, Eliminator, you know. they were kind of blues-based, and a lot of that 80s blues all has a very similar uh, production yeah sound.
1: I mean, even people like, you know, you look at, which isn't really hard anymore, but you look at stuff like, you know, ECDC, um, uh, like a lot of those bands are like, you know, I guess, you know, that that stuff is just electric blues yeah. with like heavy, you know, it's, but today, but today's standards, like I was just listening to Al, Alice Cooper the other day and it's like, or Sabbath, it's not really scary or hard to me, but back then it's yeah, very yeah. scary, very hard. It's very like almost like listening to, I don't know what, you know, nowadays, you know, but it's, that Was all out of the blues, which is very funny.
0: So I, it's a really interesting soundtrack, yeah. uh, because you have kind of this mix of 50s pop, yeah, with some like 80s rhythm and blues. I mean, you also had bands in the 80s, like the Th- yeah, Fabulous Thunderbirds and, and stuff. And even though I don't, I don't, I didn't pinpoint any specific Fabulous Thunderbirds tracks on the album, there might be. I mean, on the su- you know, in the soundtrack, there might be, but it's like that sound. Like, there's a very specific '80s sound, and then so it's this great juxtaposition of like classic R&B and blues and pop
1: with new
0: R&B. Yeah,
1: like I think Coco Taylor's songs, her version of "Evil" sounds fairly new. We had the Albert Collins song, yeah, but then you have. There's uh, a Muddy Waters song in there, and there's no vocals of it. of The the rock and roll had a baby, and they named it. uh, The the blues had a baby, and they named it rock and roll. And he's not even singing. They use the instrumental portion of it. But then you have like Percy Sledge, and you have Sam Cooke. You have a lot of older R&B, yeah. but then you have the 80s, some of the 80s blues, which is, you could tell it's 80s, like B.B. King in the 80s sounds, B.B. <laughs> King in the 80s. Yeah, you know, it's, a that, sound. yeah it's, it's a production sound. It's the very, way things were
0: being recorded.
1: Yeah, it's very 80s-ish. You could But then tell you that also era.
0: have like 30 seconds of Gimme Shelter.
1: Yeah, <laughs> but at the time, you know, aside from Scorsese, you know, I don't know if it will, in Jump Jack Flash for Whoopi Goldberg, I wonder if, you, you know, it wasn't as exposed. That's another thing, like this aspect of this movie here, it's like you have the Thor aspect, where uh, they said originally Christopher Columbus wanted to, the girl, the original Before script. Before he
0: discovered America, he was a big fan of comic
1: books. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Christopher Columbus was, uh, you know, he, he was huge into comic books. He knew it was going to be hot. And uh, the original script, the girl, Sarah, she she was into She-Man. And He-Man. Yeah, he and sure. had he couldn't d- identify with that, so he made it Thor because he was a big Marvel guy. And then that was, I remember back then it being so cool because I was in the comic books, but yeah. it wasn't mainstream as it is today. Now everybody know who the hell I everybody is. I remember
0: thinking it was really awesome because then you also have, like, she's got, like, the, the classic, like, Kirby
1: Thor yeah, art. she's like, drawn it all. And stuff. Yeah.
0: And I remember thinking, like, that's awesome. But always, to even back then, thinking, like, really, Thor?
1: Yeah, a girl. Yeah, you know, like... What a weird choice. <laughs> yeah, you think she'd be watch she'd be but into like a girl or like something the
0: He-Man of the, the Marvel, Marvel Universe. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so cuz you cuz you would think that even her being into He-Man. No, she'd probably be into She-Ra. Yeah. You know, or you know, she identified with the female aspects of it, not you know, I, I mean, it's it's that's politically incorrect nowadays. I exactly. You're right. You're right. I, yeah, but it's it's interesting that she back then she's she's very forward thinking in that movement. <laughs> she's like, no, I'm gonna go for Thor, and she's wearing the, the the you know the hammer. She has a hammer. She's wearing the helmet. It's like, and back then I remember that being. I mean, I was never a Thor fan. Like I read it. Yeah, yeah. And I think Thor I mean, was out. I had out. a couple issues, but I had a
0: couple issues of everybody. Doesn't
1: <laughs> Thor show up in like a TV movie? Doesn't show? Isn't Thor in like the Daredevil or Spider Man or doesn't? Darede- Thor is in one of those Hulk movies. That's that's not. That's that's what I'm saying. Yeah, he shows up in one of later. those. That's is it in later? The 90s? I think. Okay, I thought or I
0: late 80s, but I mean, this is 87, so this is on the beginning of the late 80s. But if I believe that the that he shows up in that TV movie for the Hulk after this, I could be wrong. but yeah, I yeah.
1: believe so. To so my recollection it, of being a kid, <laughs> it's, it's it's so it's very forward thinking. How about you? How about you? You're train to this. I didn't see this. We're an hour and a half into the podcast. <laughs> No, we really are, but it's funny. Now we're going to start talking about the movie. Uh, well, we have been for the oh, last oh, yeah, of ten, 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> we got all the plugs out of the way and all the gifts and all those things. In Chicago uh, blues.
0: I knew of it, but I don't think I saw it until 89 or 90. I remember we rented it.
1: Oh, and so you have a specific, I remember the night.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember renting it and watching it. Um, Because I remember, like, my stepdad really liking it. I feel like my recollection of this movie was that everybody liked it. Yeah. Like, everybody who saw it liked it. It was one of those, like, I don't know about financial success, but it seemed to me it was one of, like, those sleeper movies where, like, everybody, if you mentioned it to somebody, especially, you know, back then, would be like, oh, yeah, Vincent Paisley, that's a good movie. Yeah. Like, all the parents liked it. I could be wrong. This is just my recollection, but I remember it being one That's of those. It's a fun movies. movie. It's I like, mean, like really, what's not to like about
1: yeah, it? Yeah, and it's, but I said it's that about
0: f- I said that about Weekend of Bernies, and there was someone on Facebook that was like, "Fuck Weekend of Bernies, you guys are assholes." Yeah, oh, fuck you too.
1: <laughs> and fuck the horse you rode in it on. It's like, well, some people are very opinionated nowadays because of the internet, and uh, you have a right to be. But it's like a movie like Adventures in Babysitting is a movie that you think that, which is very odd because. It, it is PG-13 it's a Disney movie and it's one it's Disney's like 8th installment in PG-13 but then it's 80's PG-13 because they they're, they're making homo jokes they're yeah, talking about homo boobs. jokes they do say fuck at one point point. Like I was like three, wow like
0: two or three times they say yeah, it
1: yeah and I'm surprised but at the same time my point is that it was a, you think it's a family movie you could take the kids it's it's a well, family yeah. f- I mean you're not taking the kids like the, the same kids you're taking to see like you know the re uh, the re-airing of like uh, bambi or something but you're taking yeah. like you know maybe you're 10 11 year old it was that
0: weird time in the 80s i mean we talked about we must have talked about this when we did monster squad yeah there's like you know they say fag <laughs> they're saying all kinds of stuff queer <laughs> you fag. Know, uh but yeah, it's this weird time where like PG thirteen was socially accessible to of do. still new, and know? they weren't really, it fig- couldn't really figure out like okay, what's the you know split the difference? What's PG? What's and what we, we what's talked what's about, are. they
1: invented PG thirteen for like Temple of Doom, and then there was another one. Yeah, which we got to be careful because it's it, there's Red two. Dawn. I think it was Red Dawn. Is it Red Dawn? People say I don't know. I hear Vanderbilt Temple of Doom. got on our case. Oh, you're we right. Were
2: <laughs> 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 yeah, because I like, heard we're sorry. Yeah, <laughs> we
1: he's so saying that. Red Dawn. I heard it's Temple of Doom because of the shit going on where there's child slavery. It might have been
0: like. It, this is um again. I apologize if this is incorrect. Please forgive me. It was like Red Dawn. One of them was the reason why the next one was PG. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like you know, like PG PG thirteen was invented because of a movie or Gremlins. I mean, maybe we talked about it during Gremlins. Yeah, it
1: could have been Gremlins. Something happened, and then uh, I know uh, Temple of Doom is in there. For some reason, he, Goddamn damn template. Yeah, because he was so dark at the big, time. It's a big, you know, big topic. Yeah, one, and you know how <laughs> S- Spielberg. Loves it, let's them. just talk about yeah. today. <laughs> Spielberg loves to fuck with his children. He always has children getting <laughs> fucked up in movies. He has this weird fascination yeah. with children. Well, I, just
0: said that, I don't. I don't know if this is an old sidecast, but I still. Uh, I've always had this theory that at some point, when he's like senile and old, and somebody will do, we like a, with him. like a trufo. Hitchcock style book <laughs> where it's just an extended interview with Spielberg all this fucking weird shit's gonna come out about like how he hates children and <laughs> children and lawyers <laughs> he hates them
1: both you know Uh yeah he's just so but it's like because of that PG because prior to PG 13 you had PG but then you had like I always cite like Excalibur PG but then boobs are there yeah. you know so you had these movies that were PG but then it was like they're swearing there's boobs they realize it's a big jump to go from PG to R Maybe you want something in the middle, so they invented this PG thirteen. This movie's PG thirteen. They tried to shop it to like um, maybe Paramount, Paramount Pictures, yeah. but Paramount only wanted Molly Ringwald in the uh, as the lead, so they said no. I guess
0: well, Molly Ringwald was hot stuff at that. And I time. guess Paramount
1: had they had a contract with Paramount. Paramount had like first first pick to say no, whatever. Yeah, you, I forget what you write a refusal. Yeah, right a refusal. But then Touchstone, who was owned by. Disney was like no we like it and you know there's a big uh, what if game in this movie but so Columbus like you said he got some gravitas doing right and gremlins and some other stuff and and
0: there was a time where even Spielberg was tempted to have Amblin his company uh Back it just so that Columbus Columbus would be able to direct it because they were friends obviously yeah but then Columbus ended up getting the job anyway so
1: and uh, it's pretty cool because Columbus his last directing project prior to this was his senior film in NYU his film is 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 in 1980 or so so that's pretty cool that you know they gave him I guess because of his success as writing at the time and it was the 80s they were like shit we'll give you a chance you know uh,
0: I like this movie a ton uh, and there's a lot of reasons for it one. It falls into a, a subgenre of film that I just will always love, which is kids on an adventure.
1: Yeah, yeah. Forever, like I don't know. So you think this extends into the Goonies, uh, uh, explorers it's a kind of realm? Not. Stand as, by me. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I do. You know? I mean, it's part of that. Sure. Hence, why that other show just had a good resurgence. People loved on Netflix. Oh yeah, strange days. Yeah, you things. know, it's yeah. like they just took everything that people loved about the '80s yeah. and just. To Kids to on
0: an adventure is a winning combination, yeah. in my opinion, and I don't know why it kind of like
1: It went away. It like went away a little is, yeah. bit, yeah, died. You
0: know, I mean, you had like the Spy Kids movies, and I'm sure we I th- we must have talked about this, and yeah, we, we did, we did had, like, like, a, a couple of stuff, but. Uh, and Flight of, we did Flight of the Navigator. That was a kid on Adventure. Yeah. Even to an extent, Last Starfighter is that.
1: Yeah, but you lose that. Yeah, into the 90s with the success. I guess when indie films come out and you have that independent movement, yeah. which wasn't very independent at all. You know, <laughs> you have like movies like, you know, uh, although Hal Hartley and Quentin Tarantino, all that, you kind of forget about that genre. Now you it's kind of split where you have... Like Diary, the Wimpy Kid movies, or you said Spy Kids, but it's like you don't have that aside from Stranger Things. I think was just a big r- r- ruse where they just they just took every element of the '80s that people liked and they just they you know they probably wrote it on flashcards and uh, used the most I think subplot, there's you know? a bit of that.
0: I think, but that show and that's uh, you know this is another podcast uh, topic. To me, it it works. Yeah, like I like that show a lot, but it works because it feels genuine to me. Oh yeah, yeah, and I don't. I I think you're right. I think there's a bit of that, but I think it's more about, like, what did we love about the 80s? Yeah. You know, like, as film, you know, them saying, not so much like, what did everybody else love about the 80s? They're probably saying, what did we fucking love about the 80s? Yeah. <laughs> you know, because it feels very genuine. It doesn't feel like, let's just put every fucking thing that everybody else loves, and that way it'll be a success. It's like, what did we love? And it's like a love letter, their love letter to that time period.
1: What's the movie with... Um the uh, the f- the film movie that just came out a couple of years ago with the kids on the adventure, and they found the alien. You know, the and the a- the army comes to town. It's uh, it's, fo- it's oh uh, yeah eight millimeter eight millimeters yeah not eight, eight mm <laughs> <laughs> What is it's the, a very different movie? Yeah, super eight, super eight, eight millimeters with Nick Cage finding a yeah, stuff yeah. film. <laughs> <laughs> very different. Double grade, double feature. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And throw hardcore in there with C. E. Scott as the as the end of thing there, yeah. So super super eight. super eight that kind of yeah. you know the well, idea of it, yeah. It's uh, which I didn't like as much as I
0: think it's funny how everybody uh, how everybody links that type of movie and that feel with Spielberg, yeah, because Spielberg.
1: He didn't direct Goonies.
0: Didn't make any. I mean, he didn't direct any of those movies. No. I mean, I guess you could say E. T. Well, he had his footprint
1: over it all. But he was you know? the producer. But it's he's funny. kind of a genius. Where any movie he kind of wanted to do, but he wouldn't. He'd get somebody else to do it for him, yeah. and then he'd have creative control. Shit
0: that was too fucked up against kids that he didn't want to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hate himself. He get a new up and comer doing it. To, to see that it was him, he would yeah. have somebody else. The you
1: Hooper, know, Hooper. Uh, uh, Richard Donner. We brought up the, in, the in Twilight Zone, the movie. You know that had a lot of fucked up things for kids, literally <laughs> going on. He was a part of that, but yeah, he was. So he would just he would get his company to 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 to, to produce it, and then he'd have like you know creative control. So kids
0: on an adventure, clearly not as outlandish or as adventurous as Goonies, or but Explorers. you get you get
1: an, a, a yeah you get a, a reason for it's them. It's
0: certainly go. it's a great like one night. You know, uh, I think uh, Keith Coogan. I believe is the guy's name who plays uh, Brad. Yeah. And I have a Keith Coogan story that I can tell later. Holy crap. Uh, <laughs> uh, he talked about in an interview that Columbus gave them stuff to watch. And the two things that, that he remembers given was After Hours. Which is the Scorsese movie? Yeah. He wanted like Elizabeth Shue and some of the older guys, you know, him and the other kid to watch After Hours because it's a very similar. It's like out in the city after hours, you know, this adventure trying to get home, yada, yada, yada. And then he wanted them to watch some Marx Brothers because there is like this element of like slapstick and kind of like the, the comedy. They had to be able to hit the comedy, which I think. They do really well, especially Elizabeth Shue, which brings me to the other one of the other two. I said one was Adventures Kids on Adventure, two Elizabeth Shue. I'm sorry, I have loved Elizabeth Shue <laughs> since you were able to love her <laughs> since Karate Kid, and then uh, Back to the Futures. Uh, the well, not even so much Back to the Futures because she's you know the, uh, she's uh, not so much Back to the Futures, but this movie. Uh, karate kid blind cock- justice cocktail
1: cocktail
0: and then i remember specifically uh in the 90s when that movie
2: leaving las vegas leaving
0: las vegas came out and i hadn't seen it but she was everywhere like in the you know on magazine covers and uh i remember specifically like, having a dream about her yeah and it wasn't it wasn't like a wet dream <laughs> it wasn't like some kind of crazy dream but i had this, like this very pleasant like being friendly with Elizabeth Shue, and from then on, I just, I just always loved Elizabeth. So that Shue. rivaled
1: your Alyssa Milano fascination.
0: Yeah, Alyssa well, Milano was probably first, and I was thinking recently because commando. not to bring up how hot she is in Commando. <laughs> <laughs> no, not well. Th- of course, there was a Carrie Fisher crush. Yeah, uh, got you know rest in peace for Carrie Fisher. Uh, but even before that, I just I was thinking because we always talk about watching t- like the t- antenna type telev- television. Watching MeTV, you know Sci-Fi Saturdays. Watching Wonder Woman, and even before Alyssa Milano, Linda Carter might have been a <laughs> might have been one of my first crushes. Yeah, absolutely gorgeous, still is to this day. But uh, love Elizabeth Shue, and a little movie that she's in that nobody, I think, except for me, saw was Hamlet too. Yeah. Highly recommend it. It's a very funny comedy that nobody saw.
1: Mine's Blind Justice with Amanda Sante. <laughs> or uh, what's his face Jack Black's cameos and uh, Robert Davi. But uh, yeah.
0: And this is Elizabeth Shue's, like, first starring role. Yeah, yeah. Maybe her only starring role. You know? Yeah, that could be argued. Yeah, I mean, she's always uh, not not necessarily a bit player, but a supporting part. She's the love interest in a lot of movies. Yeah. Soap Dish, another great Elizabeth Shue movie. But she's part of an ensemble cast there. So this is one of the few occasions where we really see Elizabeth
1: Shue as the star. And it's fun. It's a fun movie for her. It's a fun role for her to be the babysitter who's supposedly 17 in this movie. And, uh, you know, she's babysitting one night. And then freaking Penelope Ann Miller ruins the whole fucking movie.
0: (laughs) God damn you, Penelope Ann You know, I
1: uh, I find her character so obnoxious in this movie because when she runs away from home, it becomes like... Elizabeth's shoes problem to have her. So it's like, fuck you. You ran away from home. I'm not coming to get your dumbass. I know, but say I, I ran away from home, Diana. I know, but I you wouldn't say,
0: I, you better go. <laughs> you know, it's all your, It's all you. <laughs> if I on. was like, if I was in Penn Station and <laughs> I, I was scared. Oh, wait, and I, I got the kids the mistake. Out.
1: I know you would come. I got to get, gotta get bring my dog out, my cat you out. You know you would come <laughs> get me. Yeah, but you wouldn't be having a freak out like that. <laughs> That's true. Get out of my house. <laughs> um, but you have Ann Miller in this movie, too, who in the 90s had a clause con- in her, closet, her contract she'd get naked in every movie. Uh that's not true but she's naked in a whole bunch of movies like uh, Billy Bathgate and Carlito's Way and what else she's the in a shadow, whole The Shadow <laughs> The Shadow she's in a whole bunch of movies and she fell off she the face a, of the earth she had a big career there for a second uh
0: Shadow Fresh The Freshman The Freshman with uh Matthew Broderick yeah, and uh, Marlon Brando and Frank Whaley. It seems uh, up until we should do that movie at some. <laughs> I've point. never seen The Freshman. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, well, you should see it and then decide whether you think we should do it on this podcast.
1: Uh, I've never seen Leaving Las Vegas either because it was just one of those movies. That's definitely into. not a sleepover movie. Yeah, I mean, it is if you're binge drinking, right? If you're <laughs> an alcoholism, if you're off, if you're an alcoholic, it's yeah, um, it's a great time. So, I, yeah, I'd, I'd love that. I'd probably love the movie. Uh, I, hate, I feel bad for all the people that went and
0: saw Leaving Las Vegas thinking it was like the sequel to Honeymoon in Vegas <laughs>
1: yeah some <laughs> some like little light like uh, oh yeah it's a sequel to Honeymoon in Vegas yeah they're Nicholas leaving it now they're moving now out they're now, now. this is real tough uh, so yeah and then she her, her career kind of I don't know where it went in after the, the late 90s band. yeah no, yeah it? yeah she kind of disappeared
0: she was on some show that uh, re- somewhat recently where that was produced by Ray Romano had Ray Romano, Scott Bakula, Men of a Certain Age, I think it was called. That was just a couple years ago. I think it only lasted two seasons. It was like a serious... Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, it was kind of like a dramedy-type show. It was actually a pretty decent show, but she played Ray Romano's ex-wife in it. But that was the first time I had seen her in a really long time.
1: Yeah, she's aged. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but she's just older as you do. You know, it's been fucking 30 years since we've seen her. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, You have her, and then you have... um... Who else in this? You have a whole. You have a, a very interesting well, cast. Well, the kids. You got
0: uh, Maya Bruton, who plays Sarah Anderson. She was in a lot of stuff in the nineties. She was the younger sister in Parker Lewis Can't Lose. Yeah. She's in at least one episode of Twenty One Jump Street. I always need to throw in a Twenty One Jump Street
1: uh, reference. Up. <laughs> reference. Slip that in. Well, how old is she in Twenty One Jump Street? Because that's like almost around the same time. It's probably it's one of the later. It's probably season three.
0: We could get into... So um, that's probably like 89. So she's just a couple years older than here.
1: Uh, you were talking about Elizabeth Shue. Uh, th- 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 the What If game, they had uh, Julie Louise Dreyfus audition for the role, but then she withdrew because she thought Jodie Foster was going to get it. And yeah, all this stuff. I, huge I, amounts I, of people. I,
0: too, read all of these, and I, I think we should...
1: Oh, it's just conjecture, like hey, maybe. Yeah, we should
0: say allegedly. This is allegedly because cause there's so many different. I mean, everybody says every every what's consistent is Valerie Bertinelli. Yeah, that seems to be the one that's consistent. But every other thing, it's like there's there's tons. There's of just people. like
1: people keep adding names. So I, I should a, say that like, Angie McDowell, Tatum O'Neal, Brooke Shields, Melanie Griffith, Kelly McGillis, Sharon Stone. Um,
0: Sharon Stone would have been way too old for this.
1: Yeah, you're right. Unless she's like playing the mom or something, she would have been because she's that's doing why, she's doing the quarter main movies and she's doing in '88. She does. She's the wife and above the law with that's Steven Seagal.
0: Michelle Pfeiffer said she did. She did. Which is Eastwood instead, instead of this. in eighty seven. So that's why I said this is kind of like
1: uh, Justine Bateman, but she withdrew because she was doing Family Ties. That I could, that I could see. Um, um, Melanie Griffith would have been too old, I think. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, why I'm saying uh, Tatum O'Neill. Take this with a salt. I don't know if Tatum O'Neill would have been, but it, like you say, it, it evidently be, it got down to. Um, Valerie, Valerie Burtonelli and Elizabeth, Elizabeth Chu, but for some reason, maybe that they thought her auditions Burtonelli, were she was too mean.
0: I think that was some one thing they it's, said.
1: They're citing that she's just too mean and angry at the audition, so they gave it to Elizabeth Chu, and then the um for the other one here for the alternate Sarahs, like you're saying, Christina Applegate and uh, Nicole Eggert. But don't you think they would have been too well? No, old be, also because what what year? uh what year is um christmas vacation is what 89 or 90 and and christina Applegate's in that and she's like what 17 18 then isn't she the older sister no that's juliet lewis no uh juliet uh oh oh, then, then isn't christina Applegate in one of those vacation movies no am i getting maybe you're right it is juliet juliet lewis so who i feel like christina Applegate was in one of those movies i don't
0: know because when was married with children don't I guess, I guess so because she plays like a teenager and don't tell mom to be. And she was Dad. already
1: established as married with children to that. Point. And I guess she
0: was playing a teenager
1: there, so yeah, maybe so that 86, makes Eighty six, eighty seven, she could have been, but it might have been a Which, little. By old. the
0: way, uh, Keith Coogan also in episode twenty one, Jump Street. No, uh, <laughs> he might. You know what? He might be, but uh, don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. It's part of his babysitters. Uh, his trilogy. <laughs> The third we one have to, be, to make a th- we have to make a new one. A babysitter's movie with
1: Steve Coogan. To, to have him fill out his trilogy. So you had a lot of what ifs there for 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 that person for for Sarah and for Elizabeth Shue's character. Chris Elizabeth Shue's character. Yeah, and um, then uh, who else do we have running out the cast? Who's the the other kid you said was? Um, we got Steve
0: Coogan plays Brad Anderson, Sarah's older brother. Uh, Anthony Rapp who plays Daryl Cooper Smith. Yeah, Anthony Rapp is he's not that you know it's funny it was one. He was in a lot of shit. He was in, like, Days of Confused. He's, a, he's like, a face that you'll recognize if you see him now. Like, see pictures of him now. Like, oh, yeah. He's in a lot of shit, that guy. But this must have been one of the first things he did. Um, Bradley Whitford plays uh, Elizabeth Shue's kind of asshole boyfriend. Always
1: the asshole. But I guess he made a career on that, you know. Um,
0: he's in... Ton of shit. Yeah, Amazing. West
1: Wing. I mean, he was in. He's in. Uh, I think he's in a couple of the Nerds, Revenge of the Nerd movies. Yeah,
0: he plays an asshole in, in at least one of those. Yeah, uh, um, and that, he's also in a movie that I like a lot fr- recently. Not s- totally recently, but Cabin in the Woods.
1: Yeah, you know he actually shows up recently in uh, something else. What did I just see him in? That wasn't very. Oh, he was in the. Uh, I saw the light. The Hank Williams Senior biography. He, you know, because he's gotten to that role where he, you know haven't you seen him in like five or six different roles where he's wearing those 50s style black glasses you know, yeah, yeah. and he's wearing like you know that 60s kind of suit and he's like you know maybe he has no hair on his head yeah, yeah. He, he was playing that kind of a role in, he has in this movie. a story uh,
0: going back to this I think it was right after this movie came out or maybe it was one of the revenge of the nerds movies came out some homeless he said some homeless person was a like, gay hey, in the New guy, York City yeah. yeah you're the guy in all those movies you always play an asshole and so he called his agent, agent and was like, should I be worried about this? too? Like, is me playing an asshole and all these things? is this going to be, like, detrimental m- to my career. And his just like, you don't have a career yet. <laughs> you know, like, you, you just have the, when you're a young actor, you worry about that shit. But really, you just got to work. You know, you can't get me
1: picky. I wonder shit. if it's telling, though, because they let him use his own Camaro in this movie. And it was his own plate that said, so cool. Because... <laughs> <laughs> so, to me, that's one of the things I remember from this movie, that the asshole boyfriend had an awesome car that had this so cool that was almost so obnoxious. Yeah, yeah. So maybe he was kind of an asshole back then that he had a, his, own, his own. That means he had to go to the DMV, fill out a form to actually get the plate to say, that says so cool. And I'm surprised that nobody in the Toronto, Los Angeles, Chicago area had so cool. No one thought of that on a plate. But that was um, Bradley had thought of that. So yeah. that's his own car in that little, little known fact here.
0: Uh, A little bit of a cameo by Vincent D'Onofrio.
1: Billed as Vincent Philip D'Onofrio. And I always say it's amazing to think that um, he had just done before this uh, Full Metal Jacket. And Stanley Kubrick, who directed that movie, is notorious for taking a very long time to make his movie. So who knows how long when they shot Vincent D'Onofrio's scenes from Full Metal Jacket to when it came out in 1986. But that's the year before, and you think of he's a private pile in that movie, and he's heavy, and it, you know he's overweight, and there's a whole shtick at the beginning of that movie about that, and then he has such a radical change to this movie, because yeah. he lost so much weight, and then there's a whole string of movies which I really weren't familiar with until the 90s that he plays a real thin guy with long hair, he's a hippie, or he's this and that, so he kept that, that, you know, sometimes a lot of people can, like, say lo- lose a massive amount of weight quickly, and then you know after a year or two they may get go back up to a weight size or whatever you know and and certainly now as he's gotten older when he was doing like the law and order stuff um you know he's kind of gotten heavy again or he's in that movie unchained you know where he's a serial killer it's you know he's kind of heavier now but he's Probably hitting sixty yeah, years old, you know. So he's King like he's older. Yeah, 12. and people, what I always annoys me were like, I'll I'll take the example of MacGyver, Richard Dean Anderson. Like you know, he's in his middle sixties now, and he's he's gained weight. He's a little heavier now. People are like, have you seen what he looks like now? It's like, fuck you. From age ten. <laughs> <laughs> you know, for 50 years, he's been like a hunk. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's, you yeah. know, he's in the gym, blah, blah, blah. You know, he's, he looked great up until he was doing Stargate. Up until five years ago, he looked great. So he put a little weight on. He's a little heavier. You know, he, he decided to relax, get off that regimen of trying to eat right, yeah, look yeah. good, lift weights. So, you know, give a guy a pass when they're saying, oh, he we put weight on, look at him now, you know. So D'Onofrio's in it, and um, they said, at the, I gets at the beginning of the, an early script, first of all, not the sideline here, but evidently this script has been around since the '60s. This is another thing I don't know, that it's I'm a, saying
0: is conjecture. Some of the stories that we found on uh,
1: online about this on the interlo here's interwebs the thing,
0: on the internet, you never know. There's you know.
1: But I think I would think a lot of this is verified if they're on the bona fide sites. Yeah, but it's you just know?
0: fans putting it up
1: there. I know, but you think like Wikipedia. If I entered a Wikipedia link, someone goes Anybody and checks it. Anybody can put anything on Wikipedia. Yeah, but link. I thought they I thought they 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 check it. You know what I mean? They have to verify. I'm just
0: saying.
1: Uh, yeah. Oh well, I, 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 I mean some I mean, of it this is astronomical. They said that this came out in the 60s. It was like project.
0: Script, yeah, the project's been around
1: since the 60s for Jane Fonda. Yeah. and when I I mean, I could kind of see that in a sense of, you know, but that's young Jane Fonda because Jane Fonda was like a, a, a prostitute in like, what, Clute in like 68, 69, 70, whenever that movie came out. So this had to be like early 60s for her to be a babysitter. And this would have been a very different movie. It would have been like a out-of-towners or very like yeah. 60s, like a Blake Edwards kind of a comedy you know and then she lost interest it kind of languished and then i don't know so then that's where we don't have the leap to where it, it gets us to when chris columbus picked it yeah. up you know so we don't know if this is substantiated at all yeah that's the
0: all. problem that's one of the things about this movie is like there's not a whole lot of information on the, yeah. on it but out it's just there. it's just crazy but the stuff that's out there's so outlandish that I, I you know you look at like imdb you know trivia and it's like anybody could have written
1: this. Yeah. You know, like, so. Uh, but I mean, some of the stuff, some of the casting, like, I, I could see a Justine Bateman or I could see, like, uh, Valerie Bertinetti. Like we said, like, Michelle Pfeiffer would have been an interesting choice because you think she'd be so old. But maybe if at that time, maybe they'd curtail the role to make her be, like, a college student. I don't know. Maybe they'd do a draft of whoever they're getting into that lead. or
0: I mean, the fact of the matter is, she probably wasn't much older than Elizabeth Shue. It's just. Well, Elizabeth she's Shue in Scarface,
1: like, and that's, what, 80.
0: I know, but she, Two could or have been three? In, she could have been in her early 20s than that. Yeah. But then, you know, but just like, you know, it's our perception because we've, you know, we've already seen her play kind of like older parts that or more a, mature parts anyway, that it, you know, in our mind, looking back would be like, that'd be really hard to see it. But she, the fact of the matter, she probably is about the same age as Elizabeth Shue. But before this, we didn't really see Elizabeth Shue in anything besides like Karate Kid. And <laughs> maybe a couple just, of other things. If
1: you think about the same year she's in freaking... Uh, she's a contemporary of Cher and um, the other girl in which is a Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. It's, it's it's really hard for me to have her pass, or even Sharon Stone, you know, who's in the Coordinating movies and like I said, above the law at this time. It'd be really weird to see them pass as a babysitter trying to be as scripted now. Yeah. yeah, you know, and they they may, they would have had to explain away why she's a little older. Which is like
0: there's so the, there's all this stuff in the movie about like you know Steve uh, when. Uh, what's his name keith coogan's character brad being like oh you're just a kid I was yeah like, how like how much younger than she is supposed to be <laughs> like how old is elizabeth shu it turns out he's she's supposed to be 17 in the movie and he's supposed to be 15 which yes it's a bit of a at that age two years is a kind of a big a big gap but like it's funny you know being adults now and looking back on it and being like just a little kid. I mean. <laughs> everybody's. <laughs> it's, you know, yes. Two years at in your teens is a big deal, but it really is like he's not that much younger than she is, the character-wise. Yeah.
1: Everybody's older. Um, Seems older in retrospect. So you have Vincent Philip D'Onofrio in it, and in an earlier draft of the script, his character Dawson was supposed to be like a extremely unfeminine woman. Yeah. And then there was going to be a plot that was lost that at some point they were going to meet. Part of the Chicago Bears and, you know, Refrigerator Perry, who all we all know, if you're not a football fan I'm from G.I. Joe in the <laughs> 80s, you know, he, he had a big, really almost like Bo Jackson. Or, well, the Bears you know, were a big deal in the 80s. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole, we all, the Chicago, the whole, they <laughs> even made a music video, the Wrecking Crew, and I thought it was, wrecking Wrecking yeah. Crew's the Giants, but like, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Once the Giants won the Super Bowl in 86, I mean, for that, it's weird. In the late 80s, you had, you're had you right. Like, you know, the Mets were huge because they won. The you know, Yankees were always big, and then you had the Bears and the in the and the Giants. But yeah, so, I mean, so much so, the Bears are big that they were like, fuck it, we'll take one of the players and put them in a G.I. Joe cartoon. <laughs>
0: Well, give him a GI Joe, Yeah,
1: refrigerator, you Perry. know. So there was like a plot where they were going to meet all the them and invite them over to watch the Mummy's Tomb, which was we just did a Mummy movie a, a couple months ago, yeah. and then they left the jock straps, and then they were going to be able to later on with this Dawson woman, the unfeminine woman, they were going to make up the amount of money they didn't have by giving the, the jock straps that were the Chicago Bears <laughs> to her. So it seems really good that they dropped this <laughs> subplot, you know? Yeah, it's sometimes
0: you hear things in like these earlier drafts of the script, and you're just like,
1: what? Yeah, I, I don't, it's just, it's, it's like I could see why they didn't, you know, use that. Um, and then the other guy in here who plays the truck driver, the yeah. tow truck driver, I immediately, when I was looking at him in this viewing, his name, I'll, I'll hold off on his name, but I'm watching, I'm like, he reminds me so much of Tom Noonan. This guy's a Tom Noonan ringer, and his name is John Ford Noonan. So I looked at his IMDB IMDb page, and they have, like, stats of who he used to be married to and other movies he's been in, but there's no uh, trivia of him being a sibling of Tom Noonan. But to me, he looks like this is a part – Tom Noonan could have played this part. Just throw his beard out and just have him run run that weird way and then, you know, with the claw. But then we get into the tropes that we've talked about um, maybe in Night of the Creeps where it's the – you know, it starts off. So the plot of the movie is, which we haven't even got into. She yeah, well, last minute babysitter. It's an adventure. Yeah, we're not an adventure. They got to go pick up Emily Pel- Pel- <laughs> Miller in the city at a bus stop because she ran away. They got to go into the city, and then everything ensues. But I like how. She's trying to keep in control. She jumps in her parents' car, she's taking them all in, she's forced to bring all the kids in with her, and then they're she's trying to, you know, entertain them and she's telling one of those claw stories about Yeah, the, you yeah. know,
0: like it's that's classic yeah, she's babysitter. Like a, you know, like a horror story. You know,
1: and they're all like, ooh, and then it's funny there's the subplot of her with the Playboy, which is like not which needed, is a but it's just very odd subplot. Yeah, but it's then again, it's the eighties, Playboys, you know, and they actually had Elizabeth Shu take the pictures for the Playboy. And uh There's
0: this issue of Playboy March issue of playboy where the centerfold looks just like elizabeth shoe and so that they actually
1: had elizabeth shoe do it so it looked like so her. that
0: uh, plays into the movie and then yeah lo and behold there's the <laughs> this uh the, this ring of car thieves and and you know black market cars uh for some reason they wrote a bunch of notes for the philadelphia deal on the center on the actual centerfold poster yeah the page the actual centerfold page, and then
2: the, one the of the
1: kids takes it because he, the other one he had it that was his dad's, but then the, the kid threw it out of the car, and he said, that was my father so when he sees it again when they they, 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 they they get roped up with uh, a car theft ring and they get to the garage and that they go to the office the playboy's there so he takes presumably to give it back to his dad yeah, yeah, literally yeah. we know that that's the MacGuffin that, that that's what the yeah. car thieves need back yeah, yeah. you know and then it's very much you know like I said it's, it's, it's that, that scene's very funny where that's another memorable scene for me where they get stuck up in the garage and like when they, 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 they escape by walking across the I-beams above and the whole part with the rust into coffee—I remember that being yeah. disgusting <laughs> when I was little. You know, so yeah. Like there's things there's, you remember,
0: but there's this like this issue. Uh, maybe uh, only time in movie history that an issue of Playboy. Played such a significant part in the plot, yeah. Of the movie. And it's like a kids' movie, uh, but it's it's a it's a product of its time, like you said. It's the '80s, especially it's the late '80s. Playboy was a big deal. I mean, kids nowadays will be like, "What?" I mean, I don't even think Playboy has nudity. No, they anymore. don't. I don't think
1: they even. I don't so know how it, they how they came to that decision. Um, but yeah,
0: but Playboy was a big deal, which I think is another reason that, like, firmly plants this movie in, like, the I mean, they had the a channel back then,
1: too. I mean, the channel was huge in the 80s. I remember Late having, 80s.
0: you know, sneaking Playboys in the early 90s. Yeah,
1: I remember trying like... to watch the Playboy channel through the bar. Oh, it's, all, it's <laughs> coming, it's coming, it's gone, it's gone, you know? I mean, that was a huge was, thing. Well, you only had, like, 30 channels back then, and one of them was a Playboy. And I was... still remember the
0: issues that I had. I remember one year, you know, I had gotten rid of them pretty early on. I, you know, it was, it was one of those... My mom never said anything, but there was one of those crazy things where I came home and my mom was cleaning the crap out of my closet for some reason, and that's where my (laughs) playboys (laughs) were. Dun, dun, dun. And I honestly, in hindsight, don't think my mom would have really cared, and she probably did see them and probably didn't do anything um, or say anything about it, but after that, I got rid of them. Yeah. Because I'm like, you know, my nosy mom... It's going through my shit. It's another. (laughs) It was like, in my house, you could never throw anything in the trash can.
1: Because she'd find it. Because
0: if you threw anything in the trash can, my mom would be like, What's this? It's like, Why are you going through the trash? (laughs) You try try to bury it into the bottom of the trash can. You you try to mix it in. (laughs) You could not get. you know, yeah. I try to I try to find it. I try to, like, hide it at the bottom or mix it in the end. You know, definitely, I guess it makes sense as a kid you don't really think about it. You know, you put it in, like, your you know, like, bathroom trash can. It's a tiny little trash can. Then yeah. Usually, they just, like, empty into, like, a bigger
1: bag. Yeah, it's not a big... Yeah, right. So it's like... And then you, <laughs> you think about us having kids. You'd be like, what, throwing away? what the fuck is that? But yeah.
0: even in, like, the big, like, kitchen uh, trash can that had, like, a bag still, I'm, my mom would always
1: find it. So... And it's I, a good way of them knowing what you're into. You <laughs> know, what you're doing. So... uh Playboy was you know, huge. So, so
0: my mom was always, you know, I, I was always afraid that my mom was going to find them. Like I said, I think she probably did see them and never uh, thought about it. So I took them. I couldn't, but so I couldn't dispose of them at home. So I, t- I remember I, t- I had two issues, and I took them and I, uh, I took them like into the woods. You know, like I my my my. Uh, the block I lived on, the development I lived on, was surrounded by woods, like up in the, you know, near Albany, New yeah. York. So I just, like, walked out into the woods in, like, a folder and just, like, left them out. <laughs> you didn't um,
1: bury them or whatever? Like, give no. them a proper burial?
0: I just left them out there. I remember going back and seeing them, and they were all, like, wet and crap. But, the, but years later, when we started going to horror conventions, there was always this, not so much anymore, but when we started going at, like, the New Yorker Hotel, and stuff. It was like part horror convention, part like soft porn, yeah, and like porn mag stuff. And so you would have people selling back issues of Playboy. And at that point, I rebought the two issues I
1: had just to have, just like for nostalgic purposes. That was always a big thing, cause you remember when we were in college, I would always buy a a, a Playboy or when we were on our way back from the city, I'd buy one on the tr- to look at it on the train or whatever. But it's just. <laughs> Oh, he's <laughs> sitting, sitting, yeah. sitting on a Metro <laughs> North yeah. train like, uh, during the, during the rush hour. <laughs> oh yeah, look at this <laughs> fucking fish. But it's uh, it's see for me, I grew up with uh, a best friend who had two older brothers. So the older brothers who were teenagers had uh, dirty mags, but they weren't playboys. They had like hustler and penthouse. Yeah, so I was looking at like crazy i'm like holy shit what is this stuff what is it what are they doing so it's not even because like playboy had a level of decorum where it's just a girl with a sheet and she's like hot as balls i mean i remember like a big thing for us was we were big into cindy crawford me and my best friend martin McHugh, and the other kid chris gambitaro and there was a big thing when cindy crawford did like playboy and you know she didn't really do anything That was like in the in the early 90s
0: it was like must have been even mid-90s
1: was it i thought it was we were in high school we were like but we went to the store, yeah. and that was we have to. One of us has to go buy it, you know. So like, one of us had to go in and like look around. and yeah, yeah. You know, with some touchy rolls and buy, buying a <laughs> yeah, bunch of stuff. Play, yeah, and then you oh, I'm gonna get this too. You know, and that was then. Then it was the three of ours, and we'd all like you know we'd all share it, take it home, whatever. And it was yeah, it was nothing. I mean, I think you maybe see a nipple. You know, it's like Elizabeth's shoe here. Like she gets you see a nipple of hers and freaking blind justice. It wasn't that big, it's like, oh. <laughs> you know. But at the time, it was like this huge thing, you know. But uh, you know, and then it's it, it would have been quite. Embarrassing, you know, if your parents find your nudie. Mags. But so
0: where it's weird, it's very weird that Playboy plays such a big part in this plot. It's also like kind of very fitting, and I th- you know for it,
2: the time it, and for, now you know, I think for
0: it's the, misplaced. You know, for the time, but like for nostalgic purposes.
1: Because I, uh, as I said last month, I was in England over the holiday. On the plane ride back. You know, I'm looking at the movies they have on the flight, and I saw "Adventures in Babysitting" 2016, and I didn't know they rebooted this for Disney Channel. Yeah. With like, um, I forget who the hell is even in it, and uh, I, I'm sure it's a completely different movie. You know, because it's it from the f- f- screen grabs I saw online. It looked like half of it was shot like you know uh, how they shoot sitcoms. You know, like it's, yeah, they're in a car, you know, uh, on a set with a blue screen. You know, so I'm wondering, do the, you know, do any of the plot points survive? I doubt the Thor survives. I doubt the Playboy thing survives. I doubt, <laughs> That's true, you know, yeah. like, so I'm, I wonder if anything except that it's a girl taking kids on an adventure survives. Because even the poster, if you go Google the poster for this movie, it's an homage to the original poster, but it's really them. You know, it's, it's, I'm it's sure a they, a photo. Yeah, they cgi did it all very well, but it's them hanging off the side of a building with like a big marquee ne- next to them, and then it's them on a rope and a ladder. But so, they, you know, they're in the car, like we're saying, telling a story. Uh, tire bug breaks. They're like, shit, she forgot her wallet. truck driver stumbles upon him, who looks like Tom Noonan. Takes some. Uh, all of a sudden he finds that his wife's cheating on him. He goes, and then th- they run out, and then they get, <laughs> you know, it's all, it gets very convoluted very quickly. Yeah. You know, and then they get they jump in a car. Car's getting stolen by this this uh, kid who brings them to the chop shop. Chop shot is run by this that white mobster who I've seen in all these. Movies he was in, the 80s. in a million. He's movies in a lot of the westerns, 80s, but he was also in the seventies, dating back in the sixties and seventies. A lot of television. Yeah, shows. he's always playing like that, like uh, skeevy, like you know, uh, scary, like freaky looking guy. So it's it's funny the demographic you think of what was. You know, scary looking back then. Like to that, to me, now he just looks like a weirdo. But back then, he's like, oh, he's a heavy, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, like like we said, they get locked up. They don't know what to do with him. They lock him up in the office, up in the warehouse. They are able to get out through the I-beam. They run across. Evidently, that alleyway they run through when, since they're shooting in Toronto is the exterior for the thing. The um, No, the fly. I'm sorry, the fly, the Cronenberg yeah. movie.
0: Cronenberg movie. Gina Davis. Uh, shot in Toronto. Jeff Goldblum. And. Uh, Seth Brundle, Jeff was character as a scientist, he lives in his in his laboratory is in like this industrial part of of Toronto. Yeah. Um and so yeah, you can you can kind of almost screen grab and kind of compare that that area during that scene where as they pull in and when they leave is the same kind of exterior for, of Seth Brundle's house.
1: And then they talk about that Toronto was too clean for them because they wanted to look like Chicago and I guess at the same time the back or the shitty areas of Chicago much like New York at the time was dirty and grungy And so they would
0: have to put trash out on the streets to make it
1: look dirty. So because the side, the alleys were quite clean. So they had people that worked in Toronto would come and start cleaning up the trash. Sanitation, (laughs) sanitation, (laughs) construction, garbage (laughs) trucks would come at night and just, you know, pick everything up. And they're like, what the fuck? The set decorations are gone. (laughs) So they had that issue going. So they're running down the alley. They enter a club and they enter into this silver dollar, the silver dollar lounge, which is actually a famous club in Toronto. I was just reading about that just got in 2014 on the landmark Hall of Fame for Toronto it's a and you, people should check it out because a lot of people have played there and they enter this club and the club is also was in um uh, police academy it it was the gay bar in police academy that they okay. that they go through they 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 <laughs> yeah very odd <laughs> and uh they run into Albert Collins on stage at, at this at this uh Albert Collins
0: uh kind of
1: nobody gets off the stage before singing the blues
0: a uh you know, considered one of the blues greats. He never had the popularity of uh, of the Kings, Albert King and and BB King, but um, still, uh, for a blues fan, this would have been a big deal. He was kind of he was called the um, the Ice Man, was kind of his nickname. Do
1: you know if any of the people on the stage were his regular lineup? That I don't
0: know. I, I don't know his. You know what his band was. Because my, my sh- band
1: covers a few Albert, Albert Collins songs, and right? you've seen him a couple times, didn't you? See Albert Collins? Didn't you go see him? And then the tr- car broke down. That was uh, a. <laughs> no, that was
0: uh, it was Otis Rush. Oh, okay. I thought that was. I don't think was, I ever had a chance of seeing Albert Collins. I don't know what time, what year he passed away. Um, but uh, you know, I always had this weird thing where I always thought it was weird. Do you remember a movie with Elizabeth Shue and Martin Downey Jr. and Tom Sizemore
1: and Charles Broden?
0: Just, and it's an uh, amazing cast. that's what I'm looking up the name right
1: now. Something like Heart and Souls. Oh, you talking about the one where they all die? Yeah, there's Elizabeth shoe in that at the beginning. He plays. She plays the love interest. Oh, so at the beginning of this movie, what happens is it's in the 40s. They're all on a bus, and the bus like careens off a Heart bridge. And Souls. Yeah,
0: 1993.
1: Yeah, it's such an odd plot. The, the bus careens off the bridge. Everyone dies, and then it cuts to modern day, and all these people are ghosts, and they all start haunting. Well, they
0: go and they latch on to Robert Downey Jr. as a child because ah, he can talk to them, yes, and stuff. And then eventually, they he's getting in trouble because nobody believes him, and so they think for his own good that they make themselves not visible to him. But they're but they're stuck to him somehow. So they li- they live his whole life in quiet. We're getting into a real fucking. <laughs> We're gonna talk more about the plot of this fucking movie than we. Have. Anyway, uh, and then it's, they, it's
1: unimportant what Avengers of Babies thing is about. And,
0: <laughs> and then they find out that they were supposed to go to the light or some shit. And uh, the bus driver, who was the scientist, if I recall correctly, was the scientist in Night of the Creeps. At the beginning of Night of the Creeps, who is the guy that's working in the laboratory where the guy's frozen.
1: Oh, oh, you t- you're, talking, you're talking about the guy who was also the, the second in command in uh, No Holes Barred? That dude? Because that's the scientist and Out of the creeps. The, the the he's the college student, the med student.
0: Oh uh, yeah, me, uh, maybe the med student. Almost. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Maybe he's the member. He's like the, the other guy who's really crazy. He's the other second command, like the the office but, bad guy. Uh, yes yeah. So we uh, knew his name ap- once upon a time because he's in another movie.
0: So he's. Uh, lo and behold, they didn't know that they actually could have went to heaven, but now they need him to go. They need to help him. I, it's a convoluted plot.
1: But, but it's one anyway. of those movies that you just forget. That I, 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 the only, I've never seen it, but the only reason why I know a lot about it was there was an episode of Movie Magic that used to be on the Discovery Channel in the 90s. Yeah. And they show how they did the scene with miniature that, that the oh, bus the crash, co- co- yeah. yeah. they did all that with miniature, and it was awesome. For it's some all reason, like I remember sale. it being
0: on TV all the time. I never saw it. So uh, it's a movie that I saw a million times. And there's a
1: lot of movies. You think about Robert Downey Jr. had such a resurgence after Iron Man, but he's in a whole bunch of crazy movies in the 90s that you completely forgot about. We should you know? do Heart and Souls at some point. That'd be it nice. That would be a weird... Or Only You, remember? <laughs> he's in that, too.
0: That's a completely weird movie. That- but there's a scene in that movie this is <laughs> got kind of sidetracked there's a scene in that movie with bb B. king oh and you know when we were in college i hadn't seen ventures of babysitting in a really long time yeah so i for some reason it always stuck out to me i was like it's true really, and i and in my memory albert collins in ventures of babysitting was bb king
1: yeah you're it racist. like <laughs> <laughs> yeah you like, didn't know you didn't know he just thought it was a blue. yeah i i uh, until I rewatched this movie, I forgot it was Albert Collins. I knew it was somebody on yeah, stage. Yeah, because
0: I don't think I... At the time,
1: I don't think I knew who Albert Collins or B.B. Yeah. King were. And sadly, I don't think anybody knows now. But And yeah. um,
0: so in my mind, it was always like B.B. King. And so then... Who shows up in Blues Brothers 2000
1: too, right? He's at the beginning of that. B.B. King's in that. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, but in my mind, it was like Elizabeth Shoes in Adventures of Babysitting with B.B. King. So I thought. Elizabeth Shoes in... Uh, heart and souls with bb king i was like how weird is that she's made two movies with bb king and but uh so i was like they must be friends or something turns out it was albert collins not bb king but so i was like I, I went for like a couple of years thinking that like elizabeth Shue and bb king were best pals or some shit.
2: who knows maybe they were
0: <laughs> but uh, and, uh but it is weird that elizabeth Shue would be in two like movies with blues
1: greats you know like albert collins and bb King, and she gets to she gets to sing as well you know she gets to sing the pr- blues. yeah which is it's, it's a pretty funny especially that scene when they get out again it's that uh, it's how times have changed yeah they get on stage and it's very like oh we're in this really i wouldn't say it's a seedy club but it's not clearly not a club that they used to going to and everyone stops and they get them hard looks blowing cigarette smoke in their faces <laughs> you know
0: and then as soon as like they're you, just trying to leave because they're being chased by
1: these other people. Who and Albert to Collins mag. is like, yeah, yeah, nobody,
0: no. gets, nobody gets out of here without singing
1: the blues. So then he forces them into He forces them to, forces song, them to sing the blues. Yeah, which ends up being very funny. And, then you yeah. know, it's a good part of the movie. And then everyone gets into it. And then it shows anybody can sing the blues. And then the crowd's into it. Yeah, right, motherfucker. All, everybody's <laughs> all into it. Like, yeah, you sing about those, you know, white upper class blues. <laughs> <You know? laughs> all right. Yeah. You know, we can't make our house payments, but you're a dumb white <laughs> Bitch, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean,
0: there's obviously an air of ridiculousness to it, but, but it's, it, it's it's fun. a fun yeah, scene. It's, then, it's
1: really fun, and then like he, you know, then they she has a great scene. She they it looks like they're all doing their own their own singing. Albert's singing with her and yeah, all the, yeah. the, the his backing up band is baby 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 yeah you know they're all there and then the audience starts singing and then he gets off stage and he does a little the buddy guy walking through the crowd yeah, and then yeah. they, they run off and then right when the, the, the bad guys try to leave and then the, the scene ends again you, nobody leaves before yeah the blues. so
0: Albert Collins then stops them and says nobody goes out of here without singing the blues so then we cut to the next scene now let's there, think for a second. Did these guys then actually sing the blues?
1: I don't know. Or did they like knock out? Albert or they Collins?
0: Or they were armed? Did they just like an opening? <laughs> shoot, shoot, they probably shoot, I would shooting have,
1: spree killed every yeah, hour. I would have. I would assume they, they took their guns out, <laughs> shot and, their, and, and shot you know shot at the ceiling <laughs> or you know or they the, the one guy slugged shot their way out of the club. Yeah, you know, one guy slugged Albert Collins. I'd like and, to think yeah. that they had to stop and sing the blues. Yeah, so yeah. that would have be been more of a because you know they, they realized that the crowd would quickly turn on them. <laughs> they not sung the blues. (laughs) Um, And then they, uh, you know, then they leave and uh, what happens after that? They leave and then they, oh, then they're walking down the road and that's how they get to the frat party and they get to the frat party and uh, they see and that's when they're in there. You kind of feel like, as a viewer... That you got into that, s- summer school, not summer school. What's that one? Back to school. No, that, far? <laughs> but
0: that. But you kind of feel like that she's going to run into Bradley Whitford, her boyfriend. Basically, her boyfriend. They're supposed to go on a this nice date to like a spex- expensive French restaurant for their, the their inning, anniversary, and then she cancels. He cancels on her. That's yeah. like the first kind of scene.
1: That's why she's so happy at the beginning. She's singing because she's yeah, getting yeah. ready to go out on this anniversary, anniversary date.
0: She's in love with Bradley Whitford. They're like, going to go to their their restaurant in the city. So he comes and tells her that he can't go because his sister's sick and his parents are out of town
1: or some and shit. And she can't come over because she's so contagious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So
0: you kind of feel like, I think, as a viewer, as they approach the frat house, that she's going to run into him at the frat house. Yeah. At least I
1: did. Kind yeah. of this,
0: you know, trying to separate myself.
1: From seeing it before. From having
0: seen <laughs> it. <laughs> We're trying to trying to view this movie on with with fresh eyes,
1: and then you get into the frat house, and some people recognize her from the from the, the Playboy. And they're like, "It's her!" And then you have this guy who looks so much like Paul Rudd to me. He he kind of uh, yeah, shows I can see up, that. Yeah. you know. And it's funny because I had forgotten at the time well, not the time, but like 1991, Paul Rudd's actually in a commercial for Super Nintendo. You know, before he was famous. He yeah, does like yeah. a, when Super Nintendo's coming out, he's in a big commercial for that. So, this guy, I think he's been other stuff, this kid.
0: He has been, but I can't think yeah. of anything. Yeah, and he kind of stands up smart for. To look up. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we
1: have a lot going on. Uh, we were we were worried about all the alternate people who were going <laughs> to be playing this movie. Um, and then he kind of steps in and says, no, you know. Why don't you use some fucking logic? Why would you, well, Playboy, Playmate be at the, the frat house in Chicago? On I, think the a, I think that's
0: the first time we find out it's Chicago.
1: Yeah. I uh, think yeah.
0: Chicago University or
1: like, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially, I, I was curious. It's interesting that you would think that they would at least, I was thinking that they would at least shoot the exterior of them running out of a club at like the Checkerboard Club, some club in Chicago, yeah, not yeah. have it be the Silver Dollar Lounge, which is actually a, a really well-known club in Toronto yeah, that yeah. people in the know would know. You know, but they're like, fuck it. No Americans one's going to care. It's the 80s. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just a blues club in Chicago. And then you know they're in the seedy part of town. They get to a frat house. We said this happens. And then at the frat house, they realize they have to get to the... Um, the whole thing
0: is they need to get to the garage to get their car. It's Look, I, we, we, it's a convoluted plot.
1: <laughs> yeah. And no, but did we miss but the part need- where they get on... Did they get on mass... No, they got on mass transit first. I don't remember. They don't get on know. mass transit, and then they get into like they're on the subway, and then there's two gangs come in, and the, their gangs are about to have a big fight, and it's very much like Michael Jackson's "Beat It," yeah, and yeah. each gang leader is yeah. Every time one of the the gang
0: open they at the and opposite ends of the of the subway car, they get on, but then they all get like in
1: their pose. So that they could be seen
0: by the camera. (laughs) And it's all, it's, it's, again, it's very Very, funny. It's very
1: state. It's very 70s, 80s gangs because you look at the, who were compiling, even like the Chop Shop, who were compiling the people. It's like you have like just dudes our age with like a, Baseball hat on, or you know, <laughs> so it's like, oh, these people, like, what do they do? Like, it's the gang is like, you know, there's a white, ki- like, a ginger-haired white kid in the gang, <laughs> you know, with some suspenders. It's very warriors, yeah, yeah. but the two gang leaders I recognize, the Spanish, the two Spanish kids, are very, you know, they've been in other things, and then they throw a knife into the to the, uh, what is it, Brad? The, the, yeah, yeah, his foot. They got to go to the ER. And then there's a but funny the, joke but at there the was ER. The,
0: but there's the funny...
1: There's the big line. Oh, that's the, was, these are where they have the F-bombs. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's like, fuck you. He calls her a bitch. bitch and it's very, yeah. actually, quite disrespectful. Yeah, thing. yeah. And
0: so Brad, who's got a crush on Elizabeth Shue's character, Chris, he gets up to kind of yeah, defend stand her honor. Her. Yeah. And then he throws
1: the... Uh, the gang leader throws like a... like a switchblade knife yeah. into
0: Brad's foot, and then she picks it up and... You know, and she says sends to him them Don't fuck with the babysitter, which is like the big line from the movie.
1: Yeah. Don't fuck with the babysitter. And she said, you said, they, they say it a couple times, the yeah, F-word. Yeah. Then they all get off at the next stop. They rush him to the ER. The funny little joke in the ER about, you know, the one guy died, they mistake the identity. The nurse in the ER, I might be the only person other in the world except for our friend, um, whose name escapes me, who's the big RoboCop fan, is the girl from RoboCop. Her name is Diane Robin. She plays... The nurse in this movie, she's the one that uh, Miguel Ferrer is blowing line coke off of. (laughs) You know the ginger-haired girl. Yeah, the two, yeah. That's the girl in the ER who's helping the uh, Indian doctor out.
2: Okay. yeah you know, i read,
1: I was like, that, is that the girl from RoboCop? It's like it's a, that's who I pick out of the movie. Yeah. yeah. Tom Noonan's brother, I, I pick, and then this girl RoboCop, and she's only been in like five things, and this is the other role she was in in same year eighty seven. So that was a hot year for Diane Robin. Yeah, she's not come out. Her agent was psyched. Yeah, she's hooker number one in freaking <laughs> RoboCop, and then she's the nurse. She's ER nurse in um, in in the thingy, um and then uh, you know he just gets one stitch he leaves and then they realize they have to, that's why I'm thinking did the frat party have to or afterward because they need money to get the car yeah they need they run yeah because they run
0: into the the, the tow truck guy at the yeah, hospital John Ford Noonan and he said and he uh, he shot out the window in that scene where he was scuffling with the guy that was having an affair with his wife earlier in the movie yeah, so he, he says like look I covered the cost of the I covered the cost of the windshield which means not-
1: someone's and it's funny that in that lot of time, someone's replacing the windshield <laughs> <laughs> like they had they had a safe light come over to go over to <laughs> Dawson's garage or whatever. Yeah.
0: And he says I cover the cost of the <clears throat> windshield which you're going to have to cover the cost of the, of the blown out
1: tire. Dawson's going to want 50
0: bucks for the yeah, tire. Yeah, and it's 50 bucks. So they're trying to figure out how to get to the that so we have the new objective is they need to get to the garage. They need to find 50 bucks they need to get to the garage to get their car before they can go pick up Penelope, Penelope at the, at the
1: who has station. a lot of funny uh, periodically we flashback to Penelope Penelope Ann Miller, and she's got some funny shtick in the bus depot. I've never seen, maybe because I've never been in a bus depot in the 80s, but it's cool that they have like TVs built into the, TV yeah, consoles yeah. built into the to the seats so you can sit there and, because I guess, you know, back in the day, bus depots were just as big as airports. People, like, it's like a train station. A you know, that's how people used to.
0: I feel like I've been to bus depots that have that, but I used to take the bus a lot. Yeah, uh, to
1: go back Dolby to your parents', parents house. So yeah, enough. so yeah. I've never been on a Greyhound, truth be told. I've been on like a Peter Pan to go like on like a trip save like school related or something yeah, yeah. like on a on a on a school trip but i've never taken like a greyhound or whatever not that i never wanted to i just would never... be
0: yeah there's these funny like she's watching the tv she takes off her glasses to kind of like rub her eyes and there's a homeless lady sitting <laughs> next to her with sunglasses yeah. on and she changes switches penopoli and Miller's glasses, with like sunglasses, with sunglasses. There's and then, the funny
1: thing where she's originally on the phone in, in the phone booth, and some crazy old guys like get you know, out of my house, get out of my house. <laughs> you know, she, and then you know, there's some dude with a gun, and then there's the scene where she picks up a it's supposed to be a cat, but she thinks it's a rat, and they're all so it's all craziness now going on at the bus depot.
0: Uh, there's a scene in that where she goes to get a hot dog. Yes. Now, supposedly, this scene was not in the script. But they felt like they needed, like, some more, like, another interstitial or yeah, something. Yeah, more business with her. And so she goes to a hot dog vendor. So the scene pre- is pretty much improvised because it wasn't in the script. But they get this guy. And it's it's actually a pretty funny scene. Cause yeah. Because she wants to, she's trying to, you know, she's trying to, like, forward this check that she got from Elizabeth Shue to pay for the hot dog. I never
1: heard. I wonder back in the day. I mean, I still write checks to pay bills. But were you able to write a check over to somebody? I I it's the kind of thing where
0: you saw it on TV a lot.
1: Yeah, I don't but know. Like I don't because rem- like I said, I write checks to pay like a bill. It, yeah, yeah. So how do I take that check and write it over to you? Because then how would the people know? Like why? You know, it's like yeah, I don't
0: know. Sh- you think you need to sign it again? I
1: don't know. See, That's some, weird. Yeah.
0: yeah, it's something that you would find.
1: No, I sign it to you, and that's the whole shtick. Is she? I, well, J- J- Johnny Joe wrote it to me, and I give. It, so I wrote it to her. and I'll write it to you, and he's like, <laughs> "Fuck off." You know?
0: He's like, "No, I run a cash business," and she's like, "Well, I don't have any cash," and he, and he's like. Like, well, no cash, no wiener, and uh, you know, because he's selling hot dogs. So there's this funny exchange. Now, in the original improvisation, she's like, "Well, you know, I don't, I don't have, I don't have any cash." He's like, "Well, you, if you have no cash, you know, you can't, you, you, there's no, you can't have, a, you can't have my wiener or something like yeah, that." Yeah. But he says he used the f bomb. He said, "You know, no cash, no fucking wiener or something like that." Now, apparently, everybody thought that was really funny, but like Disney was like, "There's already too many f bombs in this movie." So they made them cut oh, it or, or reshoot it. Uh, so yeah, funny little things that happen when you're on set when they you know a director will come up with see something and maybe use. You know, like hey, you like, know I mean, we it'd be good for us to have another one. Why don't we do a scene where she goes to get a hot dog or something? Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of little comedic. You're right; these little interstitials with her in the bus station are, are pretty funny. Uh, yeah. But mostly because of like the surrounding characters. And like,
1: she's not; she doesn't have a big. She's the whole crux of this plot happening, but she doesn't have a very big role in the movie. So they must have just. It must been fun for her to have a little business in. Yeah, the, yeah. You know, have these scenes kind of by show herself one day. Yeah, you know, and then she at the end she, when they pick her up, they just kind of just toss her aside. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, she's like. Fall asleep or yeah. something in the car. Um, so uh, you know they had, so they end up finally getting to Dawson's garage, and then there's another thing here where originally they were talking about actually getting the gentleman John uh, Mika Thor to play the role. Yeah, who was like
0: a heavy metal singer.
1: Yeah, who uh, kind of in the '80s was um, borrowing the look of the Thor Marvel guy to almost yeah, be part well, he of was, his it shtick. was his
0: stick was about like Thor, the god of thunder. Yeah,
1: you know, and it just. And isn't it like a GoFundMe thing
0: now with the member? we? There were? was recently because somebody asked us if we wanted to interview him.
1: Yeah, because he's doing something. Maybe they're trying to get a documentary done on him. So if you are And I think he talks about this
0: in that documentary. But there was something going on and somebody emailed us or
1: messaged us and wanted to know if we wanted to talk yeah, to cause him. Yeah, because he was friendly with the guy and he yeah. trying to get his word out there. And then and, we, we ended up sharing and the we link. Were,
0: and, I, and I was like, well, we don't really have that kind of show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I'd be happy to, you know, share it. Yeah, if so you me, go
1: look back on our page from maybe two or three months ago. We shared the link of the GoFundMe for this guy's documentary, uh, John Mika Thor. So if you're interested, go check it out or Google it. I'm sure yeah, you can yeah. find the GoFundMe.
0: So his stage presence was basically Thor. Yeah. And so they apparently they had originally cast him. I, I believe he...
1: Yeah, they signed him, and then he was actually participated in costume fittings. But then for some reason, maybe because they said that uh, Vincent D'Onofrio had, was pretty popular coming off a full metal jacket, then I don't... And I guess because he suddenly looked like <laughs> Thor. Thor. I mean, I don't. I, it was such a surprise to me when I revisited this movie a couple of years ago that when all the, that, you know, because that's another big thing I remember from this movie is, you know, his entrance with the dark dun- yeah, dun- and yeah. him coming off and it's so magical with the light behind him. And I never knew it was Vincent Philip D'Onofrio. And it's like, holy crap, that's so yeah. crazy that it's F- Vincent D'Onofrio. So, um,. It was interesting to see. It's oh, it's yeah, him. Yeah, well, I believe you I think
0: you might have even told me. I, somehow it came up on an on earlier podcast.
1: Yeah, we were. Maybe when we were. Maybe doing it was when we did the Daredevil. Daredevil yeah, we I might have just watched it around then. Yeah, and you were like, and I was <laughs> like, really? That's Vincent D'Onofrio. Yeah, and it's weird because then it, I guess in I'd say by the middle '90s he kind of filled out a little bit. He wasn't as thin anymore because remember he cameos as Orson Welles and Ed Wood yeah. at the very end, and it has um, Maurice Lamarche supplies the voice, but it's. Vincent D'Onofrio being Orson Welles, so he kind of, you know, he's kind of getting a little bigger, but it's it's such a drastic change to me. So he shows up and he's kind of a dick at first, real, you know, and it's very funny because his role doesn't seem too rounded. Where it's he's just really like, you know, what did you say about me or what did you, you know, he's kind of like, and then. When when the the little child who I'd love to slap in the face, Sarah, like you know, she she kind of um, being a brat, you know, like Sarah. Yeah, she she's kind of a brat to me at points, but she kind of like you know, she she kind of like, you're the god of blah blah blah, and he kind of he she wins him over. Yeah. So he's like, okay, you know, forty five hours is fine. Get she's out like, of I here. know why you're
0: not doing it, why you're not being nice, is because you don't have your helmet. You yeah, know? and you're, this is your, your. We'll take
1: mine. So she gives, he wears this. He's like, kid, like, you're gonna give this to me. <laughs> For me, I never got a present <laughs> in my life, and you know, it's one of them scenes, you know. And, it, and so he gives it back to her, and then he's actually nice. He says yeah, to her like, yeah. "I've got mine at home." He's
0: like, "Yeah, you can keep it. I have one at yeah, home." Yeah, so right. I kind of got a tear to my eye, my old man. Yeah. Now. yeah. So, so they have forty-five bucks due to the frat bu- guy. Yeah. He he takes a collection, gets them forty-five bucks, so they're five bucks short. Vincent D'Onofrio is not going to give him the car, but because of the generosity of the little
1: girl, yeah, it wins him over. He gives him the car. So then the, now they're set. And then uh, at the last, and then there's the business with the before they get to the Dawson shop. Remember, they pass the hooker, and she, and, yeah. and, and what's it, and it's it's all these like another thing is that the it's like all these sex jokes where. When they're at the frat house, um, the, the the best friend, he's pulled by this drunk girl, and you think he's going to get, like, a blowjob, and then, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, it's like, gee, he's going to get some ass, which I, I'm assuming for his age, he's never, he's probably still a virgin, yeah, or maybe he's not even like kissed 14, a girl. 15. Yeah, and then, like, it turns into, like, they're talking about, you know, just how that ends up happening to a lot of us, where you end up just t- chatting with the girl all night, <laughs> so he's chatting with her about whatever, and she's drunk, she's like, oh, you're the nicest guy I've ever met, and then there's the other scene later where they're walking to the garage on by the, by the seaside, and... I think that's an example of where you could tell that the the, the frame in the wide shot below is Toronto, but then they kind of like superimpose the Chicago yeah. si- skyline above. Like, that's my dad's building. And then he runs off. He just runs away while they're yeah. talking. <laughs> <laughs> and then he looks, he's talking to a, yeah, a from, prostitute. There's this
0: nice scene where Brad's like, you know, you shouldn't be with Mike. He's an asshole. And you should be with me. You know, you should give a guy
1: like me a shot. Now, supposedly in real life, he kind of developed a crush for her. How could you not? It's I, I, especially when you're playing this kind of a part with her. And uh, he says that he kind of broached this subject about them maybe dating over dinner, and she had the same reaction she yeah, did yeah, in the yeah. scene. She's like, ah,
0: you? <laughs> you know? So they end up going to find uh, Daryl, the friend, over talking to a prostitute. Yeah. Now we find out the, the it's like a little moment of like you know, moral, like she's yeah. a 17 year old girl. Oddly enough, I ran away and it's like, oh, that's sad. Yeah. yeah. And then like, oh, and that reminds us <laughs> and that and we got to get yeah, to
1: Penelope and they Miller. all run away. And then like, it's like her lines are done. She just stands there like, oh, well, I'm the <laughs> hooker. Like, I
0: don't know. <laughs> now, those oddly are. enough, supposedly the woman that plays this quote unquote, 17 year old hooker is Chris Columbus's wife or was his wife at the time. Oh, she's young.
1: He now. cast his wife. He cast his own wife as a seventeen year old hooker. Oh, well, that's very that's very interesting. <laughs> uh, well you know, I cast my freshman film, I cast my girlfriend at the time as a hooker that like, ends up dying. And that's a notorious story where remember our filmmaker our film teacher Laszlo, or our acting teacher, says like, Oh, he says to me, which I've said before in the past, and I'm yeah. getting I'm getting completely off topic where it's like, all my f- director friends put their wives in movies and they always kill them. The first time it's, it's, it's fake, but the second time it's for real. <laughs> <laughs> Oslo, what the hell? Well, that's a different so story. So yeah, just a weird little quirky piece of casting. Yeah, costume. so you're right. Then it brings up the morality of, oh, you know, the, the, the different plights in life and maybe that's supposed to go towards like, you know, you're 17, you should look at what you have as opposed to other people. You know, this girl ran away from home and she's now yeah, hooking... Yeah. And maybe, you know,
0: yeah, which is a weird kind of tale to put on to throw in on Elizabeth shoes character, because it should be Elizabeth Schu- Schu- learning this. Yeah. yeah, Because yeah. Elizabeth shoes doesn't seem to have any desire to leave. She doesn't even know if she's going to go to college. She's the one being the the the
1: uh, she's kind of expecting ex- that she's going to stay in the town. Marry Mike, probably. Yeah. And then that's it. And she's the one being responsible for the whole night, because when the car gets stolen initially. Uh, and they're driving around in the in the stolen Cadillac, and they're like, "You're losing it." She's like, "I'm not losing it." She's like, "You need to have your cough medicine. You need to put the th- put Take your seatbelt no on. No more chocolate for you." Yeah, because of your acne. So it's like she's still. I'm keeping it very much together, like, like a mom does in, yeah, in those yeah. kind of situations. So that they get to Dawson's, like we said, they get the garage, and I guess they get the car. They're leaving, and then as they're driving, they pass the posh restaurant, yeah. and they see and they she's see like, so cool. And she's
0: like, "Oh, we're supposed to go there with Mike." He's like, "Well, it looks like he's there without you because his."
1: Because his car is yeah, Camaro's, Camaro's out there <laughs> So they run They must double park the car Which I'm sure we get stolen again The invitation of Woody <laughs> They run in And it's one of those Again, those scenes Very much like Paul Rubens and Blues Brothers At the Fancy Club Where it's like They just rush past The maitre d' They go And then he's such a dick uh, Bradley uh, Wilcox Right, Wilcox? Whitford Whit- I'm sorry, Whitford He's such a dick He's like He's like, I didn't, we didn't even have that thing we had, <laughs> you know, it's like, in the, and it's interesting too, the date he has with her, it, uh, it, with this woman, she's completely culpable, like she knows, it's not like she's like, yeah, yeah. she's not like, you know, Brad, what, who's this? What are you doing? She's like, you know, she knew that he was yeah, ditching yeah. her, so she's completely like, just as terrible as he is. So then they end up, what are they, they, they push him and then, and then you know, they, and then they ruin somebody else's table and they run out of there, <laughs> you know, it's like, they yeah, it's. It's, it's, yeah, I don't know, know but, we, but it gets... It's interesting that they... You know, it, it kind of solves that. The reason he yeah, was just... Yeah, we have a resolution. We realize that.
0: She realizes that he, that he is Mike's a dick. A jerk.
1: Yeah, and it, I guess, lives up to his ego or his career of being a jerk in roles. Yeah, <laughs> you know?
0: and we lose the little girl... Yeah, it, she's it, looking at the
1: toy shop, and then the the, the then the guys who've been riding around all night to get the Playboy back, the, the bad guys, they see her, and they run after her, and they run into the building. She runs to her father's building.
0: Where where the parents are at, like, some kind of party yeah, reception.
1: Yeah, it seems very die diehardy near the upper levels, because she gets to a floor, because she's got chocolate all over her hands. Yeah, we should, she, like, do a fan cut. away. Yeah, exactly. It's like she's <laughs> in that, she runs into the Nakatomi building, you know? And then they slug the janitor, they go up, and they're trying to figure out where she is, one floor being the floor where the party's. On another cut like, her with the window yeah, and and John McClane you know? <laughs> and, and so then she gets onto a floor that's not done yet and the black guy who's we haven't talked about yet who's like the the semi big boss there's this he's like the right hand guy to the of, big the, of the big boss the, that scene where she's running away from him she decides to go out the window to try to leave him i thought for a moment i actually thought he cared about her or he the black he sticks I his think, head yeah, out the window. I think so. and he's like little girl, you know. So I, I kind of felt like yeah, he wants the Playboy back, but still he there is some sort of like oh my god, Yeah, which
0: is weird because you kind of are. It's implied that they're going to kill them.
1: Yeah, but anyway, but-, but it seems like it's all motivated by that other actor who we said the the, the, the white yeah, guy who's yeah. been in a lot of stuff, and. Uh, then there's a lot of comedy where they come on the they're looking for her the um, Elizabeth Shue and the two guys they come on the floor at the party so they're trying to duck and there's a really funny like you said Mark's Brothers bit which I found very funny where they, they all go the opposite yeah. direction <laughs> and then they they hold the shot and then you see it's funny them all go the right way and it's very funny and then. Uh, they're, they're, and they end up seeing her out the window and I'm surprised no one sees her. You know, everyone's looking that way. And I guess maybe they're all, it's the 80s. Everyone's like, you know, coked up, and, <laughs> you know, at these parties. Yeah, yeah. And then they get up to, and then the, 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 the uh, right hand man, he goes out of the window to try to save her. But then they show up and they throw a rope down and they bring her up and they leave him out there which I feel bad yeah, about.
0: Which and, there's then at the end of the movie after the credits. I was going to say there's
1: there. a little, yeah, after the, all the credits, I'm sure people fans of the movie know it's, it's very funny. They, after the credit ends, it comes back to him. He's like ah. he's like crying out there. He's still out there, which is kind of sad because I felt like he was going out to help him, but they kind of leave him out there. And then the, uh, the carjacker shows up again, punches out the head boss, Leaves the. I don't know what's going to happen to him. He's been very nice the entire movie. I thought they were going to end up together like Elizabeth Shoe and him, you know? Maybe.
0: <laughs> that's a little, a little too racist. Yeah, yeah, that's
1: what I said. I was like, yeah, maybe it's a little too controversial for the 80s, but they seemed like they had some chemistry where he's like, you know, you're, you're much more beautiful than than the playmate Remember? And then he says yeah, some yeah. stuff to in the car to her. Like, I promise you, like, he's very, like, mm-hmm. I got you, I got you. <laughs> you're mine, you know? But then. So it kind of resolves itself, or the carjacker's like, no, I'll leave him outside the window for a little while to cool off, and he punches out the guy who lives in the Playboy. Then they have to run home, and they have to it's a beat the clock to get home before the mom. Yeah, well, they
0: go pick up Penelope. I mean, I don't know if, you know... <laughs>
1: That's basically it. And then they get home right in time. <laughs> Hopefully you've
0: seen this movie yeah.
1: before you listen to this.
0: Because we've ruined I, the entire I, thing I for you. I don't know how much of the plot yeah. is... Uh, it, it's a But, you know, the thing about it is that it's, it's one of those plots, you know, aside from being about uh, the... Uh, you know, kids on an adventure. It is kind of like after hours. It's this like plot. It's one of those plots where like just everything goes wrong. You know, the 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 friend runs away. The tire blows out. But it's they, a situation it's like we've all been
1: could... to a certain extent, where you 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 go out when you're not supposed to. Something goes wrong when you're a kid or a teenager. Yeah, yeah. You know, your, your parents don't know where you're. You know, you say you're sleeping over somebody's house, but you go to a party. So I feel like not to the point where. The, the shenanigans that happen but you're always in, you're in that situation where like oh my god I'm in trouble I'm gonna yeah, get you know yeah. so but like this is all just like related. it's
0: just like one thing leads to another and it's just like every mishap uh it's it's one of those like obstacle movies you know it's just like everything keeps on getting in the way to accomplishing yeah. the goal which is you have to get your friend at the bus station to get home and it's just you get further and further into this this kind of more outlandish plot as it goes along but you know I like those kinds of movies no those you are know? fun especially like,
1: if they're original and they take like, this one takes great right-hand turns where, you know, so you, don't, you don't think something's going to happen, and it goes nuts. Um, two quick points. I love the, the – the there's at the – when the tow truck driver shows up at his wife's house, the truck knocks the lawn jockey over, and that becomes the shtick in both Home Alones as well. When they're yeah. showing up to the house, they knock the lawn jockey over. So I like how Columbus – employs that and then since it does take place in Chicago as soon as they got to the chop shop with the, with the electric blues and music <laughs> yeah. I was wondering like I wonder if these guys know the wet bandits who were also in Chicago like it seems like they wouldn't they would cross paths you know what I mean like when they're when they're fencing stuff Yeah. you know because it to me it seems like this movie can almost live within the world of Home Alone you know, on those guys and this, the shtick, like, you know, maybe Elizabeth Shue could be babysitting Macaulay Culkin at some point, (laughs) you know?
0: (laughs) Yeah, you know, a lot of those 80s movies and like you said, there is a very, there's a very Hughes-esque feeling
1: about it. yeah, I thought it was one of those. You know, it's definitely
0: kind of a very, like, Ferris Bueller, like, even like trying to get back, trying to race home to get back to the house before the parents get back, there is like, there is that, scene in Ferris Bueller I mean it's a little bit more elaborate and stuff but there's just like we have to tidy up so that the parents don't know adventure the the adventure happened and then there's like that very nice scene where the Sarah's like will you come do you do this next week and she's like I don't think I'm going to do this anymore and you know they both they all all the kids kind of tell her that this was like the best night
1: of their lives and And she kind of agrees and she says well now that we're friends I'll you know because he says well you say hello to me in school a senior to a freshman he's like "Oh, oh I won't we're friends now. So which we... is,
0: a, you know, a sentiment and kind of a little bit of that in Breakfast Club. Yeah, yeah. Which we talked about last year. That they all year. bond. Like, you know, now that we've done had this experience together, are you still gonna... Snub me. And yeah, you know. and stuff. So, definitely, um, and I, you know, definitely like a Hughes-esque feeling here. And I think that's probably why the movie got made. You know, there's a great... The 80s was a great time for I'm these surprised. kinds of like teen melodrama slash comedy
1: Yeah, and I'm surprised that Hughes didn't really have any handling of this movie. I'm yeah. surprised he didn't write it or produce it or have some sort of hand on it. And like the col- Chicago th- and
0: the Hughes connection with Chris Columbus doesn't even happen until a couple years later with Home Alone.
1: Yeah, so it's like you would think. I, I, I thought he had a, a, some sort of part in this, um, and it ends up coming out in 87. The budget was only seven million, and ended up making. million so that's a huge success it's released overseas as a night on the town and i hear even though it has been reissued under its original name it still sometimes shows up on uk television as a night on the town yeah and um then this is 87 and we talk up you and i discovered oh and then 2005 i guess because you're saying of people remastering soundtracks and stuff that um they re-released the soundtrack the score by Michael K- uh, Kamen. Cayman yeah and they release a lot of stuff that was never uh used in the movie or stuff that was only heard in the film this like 22 uh music score which is great and has the album yeah, on it yeah because you know there's
0: so much there's so much there's so many songs yeah. in the
1: movie that Crystals, when I s- Albert Collins uh, Percy Sledge
0: when I saw that Michael Cayman did the music I was like oh cool because You know, in the opening credits because Cayman's a big deal, but
1: you almost like yeah. To me, it's all like it's all just uh, you know stones. You don't
0: hear so much of the music and and one, I think the the actual score is minimal in terms of the amount of it in the movie because of all these songs. But two, it could just be another thing where you get into the movie and the, the movie's working and the score's working so well that you don't even notice that it's happening. Yeah, you don't even hear it because you know when you always say like if you really notice the music then. You know, it's taking you out of the movie, and it's not as as uh, effective as it should be. So, and this isn't an, like I could I don't, I have no recollection of a Michael Kamen score in this movie. Yeah, I don't uh,
1: either. All to me is just the the, the popular music they put in. Like it's, to me, it's very bluesy. It's very Chicago yeah. blues. You but,
0: know, uh, like I was just saying, it could be a testament to Michael Kamen that we don't remember because, because he's just it just worked. The plot. You know, yeah, it yeah. just
1: kind of you know,
0: worked on a subliminal level to to make the the adventure you know work even better. Yeah,
1: and then. um we flash forward to 1989, July the 7th, <laughs> CBS. I remember it like it was yesterday. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, somebody must have. that. That I didn't know about it until. Just after
0: July 4th, 1989.
1: Oh, Summer, of Summer of Batman. Summer of Batman. Summer of Lethal Weapon 2, Indiana Jones. Honey, I shrunk those kids. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I shrunk them kids again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, honey, I shrunk those kids again. Oh. Um, CBS um, issues a pilot, and they, 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 they shoot it unsold tv pilot that never gets made a series but then it ends up airing july the 7th 1989 uh, a single episode uh, for an adventures in babysitting television show yeah and you were both and I both discovered it online and we'll put a link in the site if you have 23 minutes to burn you it's
0: like 800th generation VHS yeah
1: so it's kind of shitty quality it's f- poor to fair quality Um it's so '80s. It's great in the sense of the the soundtrack, the themes, everything. But it's not a very good plot. And you can, you and I both agree. We can kind of see why. Where would it have gone if you yeah. turned it into Could an episodic? Could
0: you have an a crazy adventure
1: every every, every episode? And then that would have been very expensive too, because like you know you have to have you know sets and all that kind of thing. And and the amazing thing I think about the the pilot is the 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 uh, cast, yeah, the cast that the the principal talent that was in this. You know, we have some heavy hitters in this show. Well, playing the role of Brad, which was
0: originally Keith Coogan, is uh, Joey Lawrence. Yeah.
1: Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Who uh, Uh, really stretches wings and blossom a couple years later. Yeah.
0: Playing uh, his best friend, uh, Daryl, is a very young
1: Brian Austin Green. Yeah. Who knew that they had a team up so that the, the two of them are together. Who
0: would later obviously become become famous or his popularity would grow with 90210 a few years later. Yeah. Um, the woman that played Chris, I don't really know her so much. I mean, when you look her up online, you can see that she was like in an episode of Seinfeld. And but uh, she Jennifer was in Guthrie, but she was in Parker, Parker Lewis. Parker Lewis, I watched, so which I knew her from that. Had the, the actual Sarah, yeah, was was Parker Lewis's little sister. The woman that played the, the girl that played the little sister in this in the movie, yeah, in the the movie played the Parker Lewis's little sister.
1: On and that was if people aren't familiar with Parker Lewis, that was kind of like I remember the same night almost. Basically, Parker Lewis is like a poor man's um, uh, Ferris Bueller. Bueller. And I remember the same night they had a Ferris Bueller TV show come out, too. And that died. And Parker Lewis survived. And Parker Lewis maybe got two seasons out of it. Very fun idea.
0: There was a period of time not too long ago. And I might have even mentioned it on an earlier podcast where I got into this thing where I was watching 90s television. And I want to say I was watching it on the app Crackle. Yeah. I was I watched like the first three episodes of Parker Lewis can't lose like within the last year. How was it? Was it was it <laughs> very dated? Yeah, I could feel like I mean, like it, so much. You so. can't get more nineties than Parker yeah. Lewis can't lose. And I remember it had a great nice cast. watches
1: and yeah. I mean it was funny, but, but a shtick in it too because remember the nerd he like. I remember, like, he'd take a piece of paper and he needs it photocopied, so he put it through the back of his trench coat and the light would go on. It it's was like sticky,
0: and I feel like it was had a. Well, I there wanna, sound effects too, like you know. There like, might have been sound effects, and I want to say that you know there was a shtick where like you know, like the lockers were like endlessly big. You know, they were like the TARDIS. Or yeah, yeah, they get <laughs> into know, the like go they go could fit well, yeah. like anything in those lockers. Oh, and then
1: a shout out uh, to, to Doctor Who, it seems like for her Elizabeth her, uh, Elizabeth Shue's uh um like, S- scarf this, L- like was very scarf, much like uh, <laughs> <laughs> very much like the Doctor Who what's his face is um uh you know, I forget what he, doctor that is. Yeah,
0: Tom? Sometimes? Tom Baker.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Tom Baker's scarf. So I thought that was like, oh, look, at she's wearing a Doctor Who scarf. But yeah, so Parker Lewis was a very dated show, which came and went, was very popular very quickly, and then kind of which, faded away. Which, oddly
0: enough, around the same time was also a
1: Ferris Bueller television show. That's what I'm saying. The, 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 I remember they premiered like the same yeah. night. Yeah. And that, where Jennifer Aniston, if I recall
0: get, correctly, played the Jennifer Grey part. Yeah, and
1: that didn't, that didn't last very long at all. Parker Lewis won the... The, the uh, other show got canceled, and Parker Lewis got, like, two seasons. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that was kind of fun. I remember all my friends, we were really into Parker Lewis. We were all, like, who's playing whose character? And the lead yeah, went the on. Guy the guy that
0: plays, like, the best friend, Mikey or something. Yeah. He was kind of, he'll probably be best known to sleepover audiences in that. I think he was the little brother in just one of the guys. Yeah.
1: Uh, um, Parker Lewis, the lead, he went on for... For Sleepover fans, he's in the TV version of The Stand, the movie. Mm-hmm. He plays he was in a lot of one stuff. of the bad that guy, guys that, that under the flag. The uh, bully shows up. I think he shows up on Doogie Howser. He's like one of the... Yeah, the the, big, you mean the really big guy. Yeah, yeah, he's like one of the hospital attendants. I remember when I was little, I had a good friend of mine, Leith Coleman, who we were in elementary school, his mother went to school with the female principal from Parker Lewis, so we're like, "Oh, oh okay. that's so yeah, cool! Yeah. Do you still know her?" I'm like, "No, she doesn't." <laughs> you know Wow, that's so awesome! So, like, there's a lot of weird people, you know, going around in that. So, so back to the to this pilot for Adventures of Babysitting, the plot is ludicrous. Where I don't, I don't, I couldn't even figure out. If, I don't know what the reason was for them to leave, but the Penelope Ann Miller character gets a job at a Seven Eleven. Um, there's so many characters in it, the. Manager of the Seven Eleven, 11 I forget his name offhand But he is the actor uh, African-American who shows up in Die Hard 2 Who's uh, part of the airport uh, tower With Fred Thompson It's him And he's the one that takes uh, Bruce Willis To he, the other side of the airport He actually with came white up hair.
0: recently Because I think he's the cop in Fright
1: Night so Yeah, he's Ma- in Fright Night Mike yeah. and I were talking about that yeah, guy. He's, he's He's in it He only has like a like a handful of lines in one scene uh, we said but the, it's kind of clear it
0: kind of indicates that he's going to be a, yeah, probably a main character know, as the
1: series goes on yeah he's in it and then um, and basically what happens is they go for some reason to the 7-Eleven while she's babysitting them and then there's a robbery hold they, the 7-Eleven gets held up and then they barricade themselves in and they put them in a storeroom and then the floor gives out. The floor they gives out. They end out. up in the sewer. Yeah, then they got to try to find their way out of <laughs> it's, the sewer. It is so weird. It's so, but I'll tell you one thing about it. Aside from the cast, you know, I guess this is a common thing wherever they shoot these pilots that, like, you know, you get, like, an audience in off the street, like, hey, you want to go see a, a, a yeah. show today? And, like, you know, you got to be really enthusiastic because it's a pilot. The audience is, like, into it. Like, yeah, they must get very, free drinks. <laughs> very enthusiastic. <laughs> like, them. yeah. I mean, they're standing ovations. They're laughing. Yeah, you know, you could tell that the, the that it's, it's a really good, you know, positive energy, because the, the the cast is really into, like, the jokes yeah. they're doing. you could tell the
0: audience was excited. You know, probably, you know, French's babysitting was a big movie, and they're like, we're, we're sitting in on the pilot. On yeah. A new television show and based th- on a great
1: movie. Um, and- um, I, don't re- I don't recognize the guy who plays the father, but the girl who plays Sarah, who's obsessed with Thor, she goes on to have a voiceover career, and she's in Frozen, the Disney movie. She does some uh, additional voiceover work in Frozen. So... For a pilot that went unsold, it is a pretty sizable known cast because they all went on to do things in their own right, which is pretty amazing. Uh, yeah,
0: which is you know made me, <clears throat> excuse me, made me kind of before we started recording, I kind of said to you, you know, it's it's interesting, it's interesting because you wonder like how many it, of these? it makes you think how many pilots like these yeah. guys went did like how many pilots did like Joey Lawrence make between. This and nah. that, <laughs> you know, the Mel well, Carter show would blossom. Do you remember
1: that? That was like kind of a uh, a conversation piece at the beginning of Pulp Fiction, where Samuel Jackson, and John Tra- Travolta, Travolta's. I think it's Travolta's telling Samuel L. Jackson that uh, Marsalis Wallace's wife, Uma Thurman, she was an actress who was in the un- unsold pilot of some old 70s yeah, yeah. cop show. So that was the kind of a thing where, you know, uh, you, you do these pilots. But I never thought a lot of them to air. I mean, there's, there's a pilot to a lot of shows, but for some reason they aired this it aired like we said july 7th 1989 and some guy or some girl recorded it in the Pens- uh, pittsburgh area Yeah,
0: pittsburgh area because
1: what happens in, at, at halfway through the show there's a little warning that comes up that there's going to be some uh like thunderstorm uh, weather warnings in the western pennsylvania area and to stay tuned to the local news later on that night you know uh so it's funny but like we said it's very poor quality because it is like eighth generation tape now
0: the guy that directed that episode yeah joe's wick
1: yeah uh, he is like 80s television fucking star man. Well I wonder if that's the reason they brought him in because he was like a you know he uh, directed a guy.
0: episodes starting with he directed like bo- episodes of Booze and Buddies. Uh It's a Living which is a sitcom that only I remember. <laughs> 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 um, uh Joanie Loves Chachi, yeah. always perfect strangers. He directed Second Sight that movie with John Laroche Wow, that, movie, that went nowhere. Uh, which I wondered because he got the Perfect Strangers connection there with uh, Bronson oh, Pinshaw. If, if
1: that was how. That's where he plays like the Arab guy that can like hover, remember?
0: Yeah, yeah. Holy uh, Full house. Um, all kinds of stuff. So I remember, <laughs> excuse me, I remember when his name popped up at the beginning. I was like, He's, I know that guy. I know that guy, the guy's name.
1: They must have brought him in like, hey, we want you to shoot a pilot because you know what you're doing. You have yeah, a lot of yeah. experience and you can get it. And it's even like, it's so funny, the credits are very 80s, but you could tell they didn't put a lot of work into it because, you know, they were waiting for it to maybe take off. It's very like a Belvedere, if everyone remembers Belvedere, the credits yeah, where it's yeah. like stop motion where it's like, you know, transitions of like them, one pose, another pose, another pose. It was very cheesy.
0: So uh, before we wrap up, um, my Steve Coogan story, or <laughs> Steve, I keep on saying Steve Coogan, <laughs> Hamlet too. Good night, Mike. With, uh, but, uh Keith Coogan. Yeah, yeah. So I'm at a horror convention, as I'm known to do occasionally, um, and he's there. And now I never get anything signed for myself. I'll sometimes get you a picture if somebody's there that you like. Yeah. Get an autograph for you. I mostly get autographs from my friend Dave and his brother Steve. Dave gets talked about constantly on this podcast. He's the one that did the Silver Bullet cast with me, uh, you know, over a year ago. Um, So you know Adventures of Babysitting uh, Keith Coogan's also in Toy Soldiers which is a movie oh, that I yeah, like yeah. a lot and a movie that would come up with me the, and Dave and Steve a lot so I went over to get something signed by him and there's a very funny scene in, in uh, Toy Soldiers and they actually had a picture from it and if we ever do that movie I'll get into it then so I get a picture for Steve I get a picture for Dave how I'm long ago is this? Three years ago, okay, maybe I don't know. I lose. I don't have. Can't keep track of time oh, anymore. Yeah, tell me about it. Uh, the woman who's like his handler, you know, who collects the money and stuff. She's like, well, you know, if you buy an autograph, you get a picture with them. Do you want the picture? And I was like. Yeah okay, what the hell? Yeah, <laughs> why not? You know, I'm not gonna get a, I'm not getting something from myself, but I'll take it. I said, but at that time, I had a really shitty phone, so maybe it was more than three years ago, because like phone, like the camera on my phone was awful, so maybe it was like two phones ago, so yeah. it might have been even
1: longer ago. 1989.
0: <laughs> uh, so I was like, I don't really have a camera phone. Uh, you know, my phone stinks. Um, and uh, she's like, well, I, I can tell. I have a camera. I'll take a picture for you and. You give me your email address and I'll email it to you. So me and Keith Cooey get me posed. You know, I, I got my I think I have my arm around his shoulder and his arms around my waist. OK.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and
0: so we're standing kind of with our arms around each other. And for some reason, she can't get the camera to work, you know. So, literally, it felt like forever, probably even more so for him. So, he and I are standing there uncomfortably, like, embraced <laughs> with these smiles on your face, <laughs> like, waiting. <laughs> you know, the, the smiles probably left our faces, you know, waiting for the, like, when it's ready, we'll smile again. But we still stood there, like, his arm, like, tightly, wrapped, you know, like, like holding my waist. Touching your stomach and your back. <laughs> We stood there for what seemed like an eternity. Uh, until she finally got the camera working and she took a picture and then that bitch never sent me the photo. She never sent you the photo? No. And, you know, it's one of those things where, like, I never really even would have cared of the fo- about the photo. It never would have occurred to me to get my picture with them. Nowadays, when I go, mostly for the podcast, I'll get pictures with people at these things to, yeah. just to post them. Yeah, you like know, who this
1: look who's here and look who I yeah, see. Yeah, yeah.
0: Know, like me with Tom Atkins or yeah. me with uh, Ali Young, or the, you know, the stunt guy from Big Trouble in yeah, China yeah, yeah. and Lethal Weapon. You know, just, like, weird... Actors that I'm like ah, it would be a funny thing to put on the on our Facebook page yeah. for the show. But normally I would never do that kind of thing for myself. So it never would have occurred to me to get a picture with Keith Coogan. But once she was like, I'm, "Once I was done, and she was going to email it to me, I got kind of excited about it." Yeah, <laughs> I was like, "Awesome! I'm going to have a picture of me with with this guy." And you paid the money for it too. Well, I paid for the for the autographed eight by tens that I got from my friends. This was like a throw in with that. Um, so You never
1: I, got our contact info? So
0: no, I should have. Because you know what happened is probably nobody was thinking. She probably has like a list of names and email addresses, and she doesn't know what picture goes to which.
1: Yeah. <laughs> which does she care, really? Yeah. yeah
0: she got the money she already. really give a shit? Yeah. Um, so it was uh, both a very funny experience. Well, they should have handled that a
1: little better. To be embraced with Keith Coogan, and then also kind of a disappointing experience. Well, I if you're got listening got to photo. this, Mr. Coogan, you need to get that woman to start sending those photos out. <laughs> because I'm sure she has them on a card somewhere. But he
0: seemed very nice. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, if we ever start doing some kind of like guest interview stuff, I think we should try to get Keith Coogan because he's in toy, he's in toy soldiers, he's in this, he's in. Uh don't tell mom
1: the babysitter's dead. Yeah. He's kind of in a lot. A movie of I've never seen either. Oh really? That's a good yeah. one. I never had any interest. I thought it was maybe so stupid. for a summer.
0: One summer will end. Up yeah, we'll do, do we'll, that. We'll do that movie because I think it takes place over a summer um, with Daniel Harris. Another
1: babysitter though, movie, right? Because it's just oh yeah, yeah, part yeah, 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 part of that part of the yeah. Keith Google yeah. babysitter yeah, trilogy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm sure. I wonder if we should look and see if he's been in a movie <laughs> that has a babysitter. We could turn that the third one. Uh, that really pisses me off. I hate when that. No, happens. it's I mean, it's not
0: that big of a deal. But I know, but it's the
1: principle of it all. I always talk about the principle stuff so
0: i i stood in a in a in a nice embrace with keith coogan for, for no reason for
1: literally like four minutes straight. yeah
0: <laughs> and you never
1: got anything for it you know what i bet you she never even took the picture she probably lied to you all right because oh yeah i did snap i couldn't figure the, i couldn't figure the camera out so she she's just like fuck it you know I, I, sorry uh that's good. He turned out to be a good guy because you and I talk about all the time. We always worry about that's a fear. You meet somebody they're not going to be nice.
0: Yeah, he seemed you know? to be really nice. I mean, I think he that's was the worst. I think he was a little uncomfortable with the amount of time <laughs> that we were standing embraced. As but that's you know, I get that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I was a little uncomfortable. Yeah. It. <laughs> it's a little odd. It's not certainly when you woke up that morning. It wasn't what you thought was going to happen that day. You know, <laughs> I feel I feel like his, to this day you can still hand, feel his hand on his your hand, lower. like gripping my
0: uh, nope. spare tire. Face.
1: You're of my body. <laughs> I like how not only did he put it there, he kind of put it on firm. <laughs> kind of held on there for a bit you know that's always the worst because I that happens to me too where it's like people are like can you take a picture and they hand me the phone and I don't want to do it yeah yeah but it happens so much it's like okay and then you got to try to work their phone yeah, you got and to then the, the phone turns off I'm like I don't know how to work your fucking phone yeah, yeah that it's locked the yeah, lock and screen was like, can you, you know, unlock it again and then I'm trying to like hit it and I'm trying to focus it's it blurry or they have the flash on or you're getting a call can you tell the person <laughs> 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 then, you know, you'd, you'd, be, you'd be surprised somebody so just texted you yeah I don't, I don't know if you want to respond to This clearly isn't your wife, (laughs) you know, Joanne from Toronto, you know. So it's like, you know, and it's it's it it happens. But you have to be nice, and especially if it's like a a show I'm on, and I like the host, I'm okay. I'll do it because this person, especially if they ask you, Deanna, come take up, okay, Okay. (laughs) you know. know, So, but it's it's you'd be surprised how many times it's like. uh, So my joke now is. When they say, Hey, come take a picture, I'll act like I'm okay, so and I'll put my arm around them, like I'm gonna be in the picture. And they're like, No, yeah, we yeah. don't want you, you asshole. I'm like, Well, yeah, it'd be nice if you wanted one. Oh, you have a series of really great pictures, selfie type pictures. Oh, with people? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I try to get the weird Red Hoskins you know. one. Yeah, well that
0: was weird. Their Debbie Gibson, Gibson, Gibson has a picture. That was one. <laughs> that
1: was a before they had selfies, she took it, that was back when we had I used to keep I used to keep a disposable camera on me. If I ever ran into people back in the day when I first started working at my job, and she was one that was like, uh, you know, I was like, oh, can I get a picture with you? And then I tried to do a selfie, which at the time there weren't selfies. She's like, I'll take it. So that turned out to be really good. Yeah, and yeah. then the Bob Hodgkins ones where he was he was promoting the, what's the name of that movie? <laughs> kind I love that picture. Chain, so. <laughs> Unchained? Unchained, the
0: Jet Li movie. Yeah. yeah, then what's
1: the, I said Unchained before, but what's the Vincent D'Onofrio movie? Chained? The one where he's a serial killer, he's got the girl on the, He dresses as a taxi driver and he takes people. Oh, that's I called chained, I think, I too. Don't know. That's that's from like a couple years ago. So he's promoting Unchained. I walk into the green room and he's there. This should be a. I should save this story for when we do a Bob Hoskins movie. Save but, the story, but it's a great photo. Yeah, it, it ends up being <laughs> really odd because then what happened was the shtick was. It looks like he's on my back. Yeah, he's so like, the, <laughs> he looks <laughs> so because he, he's over. He, he positioned himself. And he's—it looks like he's over my shoulder yeah. on my back. He's, he's like, like hey! he's like holding you from behind. Yeah. So and he so with, it looks like you've been carrying him around. All yeah. Day. So it was his idea. Like so Yoda stuff. That was so that became the joke. Like everyone at job was like, "Hey, do you remember that day when you carried up Hoskins like Yoda around on your backpack all day?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, I do." <laughs> and uh, the Debbie the Debbie Gibson picture is great
0: because it's like you should just tell everybody that you dated Debbie Gibson. Yeah, I mean, her, it her, totally yeah, looks yeah. like like you went to a
1: party with Debbie Gibson. You were on a date, and she was like, "Let's grab a photo of us. Well, It was weird because she ended up being in a place. Playboy, and um, it might have been the same day, she was in an issue of Playboy, and she was on to talk about something, and then she was signing later on downtown at maybe Tower Records that's no longer there, so me and my friend were like, I was like, she she was so cool at me, let's go down, let's go buy the Playboys, and we'll go down and get them signed by her, so during our lunch break, we ran, found a place to sell Playboys, bought them, went all the way down there on mass transit, got down, and, and it was ending, we got in line, and it was like unfulfilling. I, I don't feel like she remembered me, but we had like a half hour conversation, and
2: I'm like, "Come he's on, like, well, we dated, we Look just dated." Look, I have
1: I don't have the photo yet because I have to get the camera developed. <laughs> I have to develop the film. But, but you guys were, uh, you yeah, know, we were we, we we had something. How odd that I think last, but I still have that last boy.
0: episode. We talked about Tiffany, and this episode we talked about Debbie. And, Gibson. and when you
1: talked about Tiffany, I had to uh, for a minute. I thought you were talking about Debbie Gibson, so I was going to tell the Debbie Gibson story, but then I was like, "Oh no, he's talking about Tiffany." Two Deb- different people or now. Deborah Gibson. Deborah Gibson. So that was my Deborah. Debbie, i guess maybe i'll post the photo of tiffany debbie gibson i'll post the debbie gibson story the bob hodgkins photo i'll wait till when we do a bob hodgkins movie yeah, yeah. because that's that's a, that's a classic it's and gold, i'll tell the full story it's gold yeah you want to save that one? i have a lot of odd photos with people that turn out to be really weird so uh you know especially when the camera doesn't work <laughs> and they're waiting there and then the photo becomes like weird like they're in mid-conversation like it's not work so uh, how many sleepover uh buckets of pizza uh, f- I would go in our three-hour cast on Adventures of Babies. I would go f- four, four.
0: I, yeah, buckets of pizza. I think this is this is like classic sleepover gold. Sleepover. I mean, maybe for like a younger, like a younger sleepover than some of the movies we do. Yeah, but like this is totally like your parents would wrench this for you for yeah. like your birthday sleepover,
1: <laughs> and little do they know there's jokes about homos. There's boob jokes, there's Playboys, and there's fuck drop repeatedly. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, I really
0: like this movie. It's like it's a perfect movie for me. Yeah.
1: A lot of blues, a lot of you great a lot of great blues in
0: it. I often say that like I'm like oddly enough like a teenage girl trapped in like an yeah. old faggot. Like you like, like, I, you like, like I, those um <laughs> you know, like, those teen I, I angst movies. Yeah, yeah. I love like, you know, and there's a little bit of romance in this and it's a kid teenagers on an adventure. Um I'm living in that. That's what this show is all about for me. It's nostalgia, and that's a that's a time in my life that uh, I've often said, you know, I wish I went to Bayside High and hung out with Zach. <laughs> maybe Slay. you did. Maybe
1: you did. Zach and, and um and Mario Lopez. That's a story I'll tell about Mario Lopez one day. He's anyway. Anyway. How about you? Uh, I'd say three point five. I mean, it was. It's a good solid movie. You know, um, I think I enjoyed it better the first time I revisited it because I hadn't yeah. seen it in so long, and then I kind of watched it maybe within the past couple years. So. It kind of lost some of its sheen this time I watched it, but uh, certainly that viewing when I watched it a couple years ago was just it was so surprisingly good in a sense of I forgot a lot of the stuff I for, you know I didn't realize it was Albert Collins I also thought it was BB King yeah, yeah. the Vincent D'Onofrio showing up um, you know how fun it was it not even being connected to John Hughes all these elements that you know ended up being real fun and it's something that I would have thought that they would have turned into some sort of TV show or they would have rebooted which yeah. they ended up doing which I don't know if this makes me even want to go maybe Celia C- Gomez what's her name Selena, Selena Gomez? Gomez she may not be she may be in the reboot the one that came out this year yeah I don't
0: I remember that it existed but I, I don't remember I don't I didn't see it or anything and so. I'm sure if we were Some to go Disney watch it would be Disney Channel actors. yeah so not
1: Miley Cyrus but I'm sure it'd be something that you know it's kind has nothing to do with the movie except that she's a babysitter and they took the, the name, you know. And it, that's kind of sad. Like the whole, I mean, I guess that the Thor aspect wasn't in the original script either, supposedly. So, but it'd be cool to keep some of the plot points. But yeah, I'd say 3.5. Definitely a movie I would show to my kids. Um, maybe when they're a little older because it's a, its that, again, that double 80s standard of it being a. Yeah, it's well, so, I it's don't so know. odd. That's why I don't have kids. Yeah, because you I don't want be to like, deal fuck with fuck it. Them. Show them. Who cares? Yeah.
0: Yeah, hey, we saw it. We were all right. Yeah, oh yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, that's my like. Think that's the problem with for, people. You know, yeah, they don't, like, They're hey, so. We turned out okay. Yeah, everyone. So you know, you I, know, we played with toys with fucking lead paint chips yeah. chipping off of it.
1: Fire! It never occurred to me to eat it. Yeah, I might have you, sucked it in my mouth once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the toys that is not. Penises, uh, and then because uh, that sounded so dirty. But yeah, we played with all that. We turned out fine. But it's just a, it was a different time back then. I mean, it was a time when we were able to after school get on a bike and go out, and your parents never thought to know, care whether you were didn't oh, have man. cell phones. Yeah,
0: kids don't go out and play anymore. Yeah. is my understanding, no, they, it's they, all like pre-scheduled play yeah. dates.
1: You know, it's all because you, you you'll it's never not, see the kid. There's you know? no hit in the open road. Yeah, your not on a huffy your two, or, <laughs> your, or your Kawas, uh, Kawasaki or whatever. You know, it's it's all you know. And I was. I was leaving my uh, age of biking right when they started to institute helmets and pads because I never wore a helmet. Oh yeah, helmet I never pads. wore a helmet. But right, now right. it's like that's normal, and I think as well as I would want a kid probably to, that I I say yeah if it's normal we'll wear a helmet because back then when we were, I was getting out of it I was like you know, you're gonna look like a dork wearing. Oh yeah, fucking pussy. <laughs> yeah, Jesus, what are you taking up the ass? That's terrible. I'm sorry. There's not, not, not anything wrong with that. Um, but it's like you know it's, it's you're being. But now that's that's normal. So. You know it's it's a totally different world we live in back then you know and and uh, so but you're right I mean it was made for kids why not show it to a ch- child but I doubt you get a lot of those same jokes that Disney reboot <laughs> I'd be <laughs> surprised sorry, sorry. yeah you know I'd be I'd be I'd be I'd be I'd be surprised anyway I'd be I'm, called a monkey's uncle <laughs> anyway I'm glad we did this one this is fun. And, and it, it was a winter movie,
0: too. It is a winter movie.
1: Yeah, and we're in the cold winter months in New York City, and it's a Chicago winter movie. So it's, it's just fun to, you know, it's, it's part of our s- climate. It's, you know, we had a two weeks ago, we had a good one. With and who knew that? Are they,
0: the, this and Escape from New York were both produced by Deborah, Deborah Hill. Hill. Yeah, I know. The late, the late great Deborah yeah, Hill. Yeah, she passed
1: away, didn't she? That's a shame yeah that'd be cool maybe they we should start making yeah they also had John Carpenter want to direct this <laughs> <laughs> we'll go on IMDB add it you, you see why don't we do that as a test you start adding stuff to IMDB and we'll see if uh, what do you call it if, they, if, if, it's, if, if it's ever substantiated like or, or Wikipedia you know he was in rumors to do this but he, he instead did they live <laughs> you know uh, well we talked about the S- Santa Claus we did Santa Claus. Carpenter was going to do Santa Claus. That's insane. But that's... That's, that's, go a, check that's out our whole other podcast. Yeah, go check out our... That was a month ago's podcast for Christmas Story, Santa Claus in the movie. If you were going to... So... Me as me or the audience you? You. The, the royal you or the... You know, usually
0: we we... Uh, we'll give recommendations we'll give recommendations but I say we never but you know what happens is we did that for a while and And then we we forget forget until we we say hey what's the oh I don't even know what the recommendation but one thing I would say what if you were going to pick a movie that we already covered in case you wanted to go listen to a podcast oh that's a good idea try to get people to go back and listen to our
1: catalog to to our back catalog I'd have to remember what we did (laughs)
0: Well, I'd say you know, there's we have like the last Starfighter. Yeah, it's like it fits. In, obviously, it's a, I guess it's if a if less outlandish way.
1: Yeah, if we're doing I mean, maybe like a weekend at Bernie's, a weekend at Bernie's is a fun one. Or you know? or maybe the last Star. Or maybe you know what? We maybe fly to, fly, sh- na- fly to the night and the flight of the Navigator. That fly might be cool. Flight of the Navigator, or, even, navigator uh, or um Plane, chains and automobiles. Plane, chains and automobiles or the other one. Uh, that's got to be
0: Chicago, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, and so is Dutch, right? Too, they're going back to Chicago. I think he's going from Maryland. That's up an to adventure. Chicago. Yeah, those are adventures. Are all John Hughes as well? Maybe Breakfast Club, right? Breakfast Club's. A we good did one. that one too. Maybe Grease. <laughs> anyway, you know. But yeah. So how about you? I would say any of those. Yeah. Yeah. I think I actually think
0: this and like Planes, Trains, and Automobiles would be a fun double feature. And know? I and
1: I think they were done at the same time. And I probably saw them around the same time too, because I remember seeing Planes, Trains right when it came out. So that's probably 87, 88. So and I, you know what? Uh, for some reason, it comes to mind too. Maybe because of the Thor connection, I would say like uh, the, the Daredevil Thanksgiving, <laughs> the, uh, Thanksgiving, the uh, Daredevil trial, Thanksgiving special, yeah, the unknown, <laughs> the little scene, Daredevil Thanksgiving special, where he's trying if to you're find. You're
0: full like kid movie, like Spielbergy
1: Transformers the movie.
0: <laughs> uh, Harry and Hendersons would be a fun.
1: That's there. You go right there. That's a great one because the other ones all deal with different stuff. So maybe if you sit planes trains, but maybe adventures and then Harry and the Hendersons because it also deals with certain themes
0: anyway this has been
1: another exciting very thrilling episode uh, stay tuned for another two weeks because we're going to have some more stuff uh, going to be a great year uh, We should connect
0: it like who okay who now who We did Deborah Hill carried us from, that one from one? we're going to do like we'll do another gen- Elizabeth
1: shoe we'll do another we'll do cha- we'll try to find John Ford Noonan another gen- one <laughs> uh, or who's from the TV pilot we'll try to do a Joy Lawrence <laughs> movie next week Uh, check us out on Facebook check us out on uh, Twitter check us out on our own website uh, check us out uh, everywhere we're around we do do fun stuff
0: at at Sleepovers Twitter uh, at Scored to Death if you want to follow the book on both Twitter and Facebook, also obviously. Yeah, Saturday morning sleepovers, on Amazon,
1: and all that jazz. And yeah, we have a Facebook page, and then you know, and, uh,
0: check out Mike Vanderbilt.
1: Yeah, Mike, the great, the great. Drinks on say Monday. Monday. He didn't die, so the great, <laughs> late, the great Mike Vanderbilt. And thank you again, Mike, for the Auto Man novelization. I'm going to read this. It's only about 100 pages, so I'm going to read right through it. Finish this We're and uh, check together. out his Romero's, his uh, drinks on Monday with the Strike Team uh, podcast, and check out his. He writes for. Um, the uh, um, Daily Grind House, and as well as the and uh, check out AV our Fright Night Cast that we did together, yeah. which would
0: be another good double feature, kind of teens on an adventure.
1: Yeah, exactly. Monster Squad. Monster Squad. Yeah. So b- there's b- a whole b- bunch. Monster Squad. Yeah. So check out some of the go back. And check out our earlier catalog because I bet you if you're liking the stuff we're putting out recently, then um, you're gonna love it. Yeah, you're gonna love it, baby. Because <laughs> we're not only the members, we're also clients, baby. <laughs>